You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Friday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Brant Dontry and Cam Berry with me. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls on this Friday, where we have a lot to talk about, including Auburn basketball as they get set to face off with Mississippi State coming up tomorrow in Neville Arena as the calendar has officially turned to March. Three regular season games remain for the Auburn Tigers, so we'll talk about their status in the SEC and some other games around the league this weekend. Uh, Again, of course, Auburn and Mississippi State preview coming up. Also today, we'll be talking a little bit about the uh, impending rule changes in college football. We talked yesterday about potential changes to the recruiting counter. Those are very much in their adolescent stage. However, uh, there are some rules that are looking like they're going to be pushed through by the oversight committee in the game of college football coming up this fall. So we'll look at some of those here uh, in just a little bit. Of course, we'll have Sports Call's Player of the Week on this Friday. Uh, we'll also have birthdays and sports they want to watch for over the weekend and a nightly TV guide all for you on this Friday edition of the show. If you would like to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And Ryan, Brant, and Cam with you here on this Friday afternoon, a rainy Friday afternoon on the Plains. We'll start with you, Brant. Good to see you again, sir. I I've heard uh, a little bit of your Auburn softball over the weekends here, and you're doing a lot, man. School, work, uh, commentary, uh, doing, again, Smith Station for us and uh, doing shows when you can. Appreciate you being here on this Friday. Yeah, making my monthly appearance on Sports Call here early uh, in the month of March, but uh, <laughs> glad, glad to be back. Uh, and, yeah, staying busy, man, and, and uh, loving every second of it. Uh, school's going well. Commentary stuff is going well. Smith Station baseball and softball are – underway and i'm excited to keep following them throughout the year and uh actually i uh, learned today the smith station panthers playing off against my hometown houston county bears up oh, in wow. hoover, up in hoover today and uh, uh that, that's what's going on with uh with smith station baseball but yeah a lot to get into in the world of auburn uh, uh just absolutely incredible game between auburn and tennessee recently uh, here on uh, on wednesday um I I confess to not being the biggest fan of the sport of basketball. I don't watch a ton of it. Um, But like that was that was probably one of the best games of the year, right? Like that was an elite basketball game. I'm not um, I'm not far off in calling that just an incredible basketball game uh, between two really good teams. And even though Auburn lost, uh, I think that there is still a lot that you can take away from that game of uh, just. 
uh, the, the fact that they are a kind of team that can make a deep run uh, if they continue to play that well, especially on offense. But, uh, yeah, excited to be here. Happy Friday to everybody who celebrates, which is all of us, I know, uh, and uh, excited to get the show going. Absolutely. And Cam Barry here on this Friday. Cam, how are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. <clears throat> Excuse me. A very busy Friday, um, but yeah, yeah, uh, feeling good, and yeah, like Brant's, you know, alluded to a, a fantastic game on Wednesday between Auburn and Tennessee. Um, you know, I mean, just hats off to Dalton Connect, man. The the kid just absolutely hooped. Uh, you know, I, I uh, this is my first time seeing you guys, but I I stated just uh, at my other job talking to to my coworkers, I was like, if Dalton Connect just scores at his average of twenty points, Auburn wins. Auburn wins that yeah. game. If he just scores at his average, even if he scores 25, just a little above his average, Auburn wins that game. But he decided to go off for 39, and, and it's not even like it was a game where, yeah, sometimes Auburn uh, did did lose him a little bit on help defense, and sometimes he did kind of cut through the zone and was able to find some open spots and get some open threes. But there were some shots where it was just uh, – it didn't matter. I mean, Jalen Williams was all up in his face, hand-to-hand, doing high fives, different things, meeting him at the top, and – and it just everything was falling for Dalton Connect. Everything was going in. It just didn't really matter. Uh, the the dude was just an absolute machine, and and uh, the product of thirty nine points really lifted Tennessee to the win. I mean, also you know a great games from Zakai Ziegler as well as uh, uh, Adu as well. Um, those are really the three guys that that really did everything for them. And um, so yeah, it, it was a great game. And, and like you said, Brent, I agree that. There were some things that you can take away, and Bruce Pearl said it yourself. Yeah, he wasn't happy with the help defense overall, and, and he, he felt as though defense did let him down. But you score 84 points in, in an away game, and you feel like you should have probably won that game. Uh, but, I, I mean, you gave up 90, and 39 of those came to one guy who's probably going to be the first uh, college player taken in the NBA draft this year. Uh, the the like I said I mean can't say enough about Dog Connect the dude was phenomenal um, but you liked what you saw uh, like you said you, there were tools there that you can definitely say that uh, Auburn was gonna could be has the potential excuse me to make a run and uh, you you kind of want to build off of that and say hey well the, the worries the the eighty four points that Tennessee gave up that was the most that they had given up in Thompson Bowling Arena the, the throughout this entirety of the season so that's something you can kind of hang your hat on a little bit you were able to score you were able able to do things it's just a guy went absolutely nuclear on you and and sometimes you just can't really do much about it so uh i thought it was a well-played game it's it's unfortunate auburn wasn't get the loss again kudos to ryan because he did call an eight point loss i do want to give him credit for that because he did say that and and i was like wow eight points wow it it was a higher higher scoring than the higher scoring game than we thought i look i'll take that it was the i i had the higher scoring (laughs) Uh uh-huh part of it yep. correct but you had the the differential correct so uh it, it was a, a a higher scoring game than we expected it a lot of offense some some great things you could see from auburn on offense as well um but yeah so i'm doing great uh hopefully we'll be we'll, we'll get to play some baseball today we'll see and uh yeah, yeah but uh i'm doing great it's great friday and uh happy march happy march this is march we sleep in may uh yes, sir. And, and so uh, we are excited to turn the page because this will be a great month of college basketball, as it always is. Also, Auburn women's basketball 
uh, believing they're going to be participating in March Madness on the women's side Let's of things. Let's go, big Coach win. Harris. Yeah, big win against Mississippi State last night in Neville Arena. Pretty triumph. Uh, pretty. Pretty dominant win, a double-digit win against Mississippi State. So uh, both teams looking to be playing in March Madness. Let's start today's show again uh, by talking a little bit about Auburn-Mississippi State, but on the men's side of things as they get set for their second date of the year inside of Neville Arena at 3 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Of course, this was uh, an t- Auburn team that did end up losing the first time around to Mississippi State uh, in a very low-scoring affair. It was 63-57 to uh, back in January. And also at that time, uh, it was a, 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 their first losing streak of the year. They had just lost the uh, Alabama game in Tuscaloosa in the midweek. Uh, and then they went to Starkville and played a vastly different type of game than what they've been playing this year. They lost again 64 to 58. A lot of offensive struggles in that one. Did not necessarily handle Tolu Smith the best. Uh, and this Mississippi State team uh, coming off another uh, heartbreaker similar to Auburn, uh, a different kind of heartbreak. Auburn just played a, an A or A minus game that was not rewarded even on the road. Um, Mississippi State played a game in which they got beat at the buzzer. They play a game where they uh, have a tied three against Kentucky there, are uh, looking like they're going to force overtime after having led much of the second half, and then Reed Shepard hits a floater to beat them basically at the buzzer. So they had their own little heartbreak there. So two teams that maybe have to be a little mentally strong, uh, but what are the areas that Auburn does need to focus on compared to that uh, first game against Mississippi State and also playing at home first time since you lost to Kentucky. So, uh, you know, Auburn having that midweek off and playing some road games. I mean, it's been a while since Auburn's been in Neville Arena. Yeah, absolutely. In the first game against Mississippi State, the thing that stood out was the way that Tolu Smith was able to kind of handle Janai Broom. Uh, I've touched on it a couple of times this year. My biggest criticism of Janai Broom, as good as he has been, is that when you put him up against another big who, is, who can match him with height and is thicker than he is and plays more physically than he does, then he tends to back down just a little bit. I think that that has gotten better. I think against Tennessee, he went up against a guy who was thicker than he was, was and performed performed yeah. really well. I agree. I think that I think that Janai has gotten better at handling those guys uh, that are a little bit bigger than he is. So I, I certainly think that that matchup is going to go more in Auburn's favor. The other thing is, if Auburn just keeps shooting like they are, I I think that this is a team that is really in an offensive rhythm. Yes, things got rough kind of against Kentucky, but. Uh, since then, I feel like they've been totally fine. I, in this stretch, I feel like other than that Kentucky game, they've been playing really well offensively. If you play like you can, if you play offensively like you did against Tennessee, you can beat anybody in the country as long as they don't have the second coming of Larry Bird just decide to go <laughs> off. Right. Uh, I I think that Auburn is in a good spot. I think that they are a better team than they were the first time they played Mississippi State. And like you said, Mississippi State coming off of their own kind of emotional uh I, I get not just heartbreak, downfall but yeah, downfall or, down. or the let down all of these words that, you know, they are going to be, have to be mentally strong. Auburn, yes, they're coming off of this heartbreak. They played really well and they didn't get rewarded for it, at least offensively. But what they did do was prove that they can play with any. They can play with the best defenses in the country and score 84 points in a road environment. That 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 in and of itself is really promising for this offense. So I think that they can take the positives from that one uh, more than Mississippi State can of. Well, we were in it with Kentucky, and then Reed Shepard hit a floater on us. So yeah, I I, I agree with a lot of that. A lot of what you said. I I felt like Tolu Smith was 
fine in the game in the matchup against uh, against Auburn. In the it was really I felt like it was Cam Matthews. And yeah, I a also, combination. It, too, I and I say. also yeah. felt like it was also Josh Hubbard. Uh, he was a pretty important factor as well, just at the guard position. I felt like he he made some pretty crucial spot uh, shots as well. Uh, I mean, I, I think also Auburn just wasn't hitting theirs. I, I think we can all agree that Auburn was kind of slumping in the shooting uh, at, at that point in time as well. And I think that played a big part of how they kind of played their game also. But uh, Josh Hubbard now, you know, Mississippi State's leading scorer. Uh, so he's he's a bucket getter as a freshman. He's really, really good. Um, and, and so there were obviously some comparisons between him and Aiden. Aiden was slumping as well a little bit at that point in time. Uh, hopefully, you know, he's kind of broken out of his slump. It kind of seems like he has. I think he hit two threes in the game against Tennessee, maybe one. I know he hit the corner three. Yeah, it was two of five from the two field. Of, so yeah. I, I'll take that, you know, still, again, I, I will take that two of five from the field. Uh, or oh, from the field, yes. he was two of five. Oh, because yep. he had the layup and then he had the three, yep. right? So shot selection wise, I'll take one three, and then he had uh, he did have a layup, so I'll take that. I think he finished with what seven points total, something like five. that. Five. Yeah. Oh, no I thought he had throws, two yeah. free throws. Nope. No free throws. Nope. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm confused. Maybe I just. I don't it know. is all good. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so I'll take that from Aiden, you know, uh, still trying to rebuild his confidence, I think, in his shot and things like that. But you're still, you know, happy with the production that you got. And, and that three that he hit in the corner was pretty clutch as well. Uh, so I, I think that was a good little catch and shoot from Janai. Well, so- well, what I would say about Aiden's game is, Cam, I, I feel that it was a mature game from the standpoint yeah. of he did not have his first good game in a long time and then – say okay i'm now back to shooting 30 footers yeah, he, you know no, he and, wasn't pulling like crazy he saw that they were able to get the looks they wanted to get offensively right they did have too many turnovers from non-point guards Agreed. but they were able to get good shots throughout they were pretty warm from every quadrant of the floor yeah. and so to aiden's credit he didn't just get a ball screen and then Pull. go on, go on right. top of it and shoot a deep shot For so sure. while yeah two or five is not going to win awards i thought that was a very mature thing to do from someone that has had a questionable shot selection this year absolutely i agree i, I felt that was a, a good growth game for him you know i i do um and so that's something that you can build upon and, and something you can hopefully look forward to as the season you know as we're getting to the real crunch time real important things in the season uh, auburn more than likely not going to be contending for a a um a, a regular season championship so you know that is what it is you know I, i'm sure bruce isn't <laughs> elated about that but it, you you put up a good fight against a really good tennessee team at, in an away environment a hostile environment uh and like he said multiple times you you put up 84 you you usually win on the road well you're coming back home you, it's been the first time like you said ryan you're at home since the kentucky blowout uh and you want to be able to kind of rejuvenate your home crowd uh against the mississippi state team that you did lose to earlier in the season and kind of want to rectify that loss as well so uh, i think they're they definitely have this game kind of circled probably what you know like they said this wasn't their best game uh it's a game where i feel like they just got out hustled really in, in every aspect of the game uh so I, I think this auburn team is is going to be able to come out on saturday and be prepared for a mississippi state team that is physical um and and you'll be able to um hopefully uh get the win and kind of 
finish your season strong. Yeah, this that, that Mississippi State game was was an odd one because we just had not seen. I guess to some degree the App State game was similar, but we had not seen the offensive struggle to that degree yet in the season. I think it's the second worst offensive performance of the year following the Kentucky game, and it was twenty one twenty one at half. Auburn gets behind pretty immediately in the second half. They do take a brief lead, seven, eight minutes to go, somewhere in there in the second uh, second half. But at that point, uh, again, just not enough consistency with the shot selection. Uh, they did not shoot well. They were in the 30s from the field, I think 25 from three. You're bound to have clunkers like that. But uh, to be kind of rough from both two and three at the same time was – uh, was disappointing. And so when you're going into this one, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the, the best way to have your offense be free-flowing. And what I mean by that is if you need to speed up, if you need to eliminate some more of the half-court opportunities, if you need to find different ways to scheme someone open, I know it's more of a football concept, but scheme a big guy open rather than just try to dump it in and play one-on-one, those are the things you need to be looking for against a team that did pretty much shut you down the first time around because you need to find a way to create a better quality of shot. And um, maybe it's the nervous side of me, Auburn's now three of their last four games. They've shot the lights out, with just one exception being the absolute uh, darkening performance of the Kentucky game. So I feel like probably at least one more time this year, there's going to be a clunker in terms of three-point percentage and in terms of just just feeling like nothing's going in. And it could be this one because Mississippi State is a good defensive team. And I I do think that it's good news that they've not been at home in a couple weeks because I think the crowd will be – ready to see them again and ready to right the wrongs of the Kentucky game and just get everything like that behind them just in terms of watching basketball in the home court. Uh, But I do think it's going to be on Auburn to be intentional about, again, shot selection. I've I've harped it with, obviously, Holloway throughout this year, but I'm going to harp it in this particular game with them because um, they have uh, proven that when they are able to make any threes at all, they're going to score 80 points plus. I mean, that's just, it's just, you're not, they are going to get so many solid looks from two just by hitting some threes. And so it's on yourselves to get the right kind of three early in the game. Uh, early in the Kentucky game, they were going for the highlight play. There's no need for highlight plays in the first five, 10 minutes of a basketball game. Highlight plays are for when you step on the throat up 15 in the second half, not for when you're trying to go on an 8 0 run in, in the first five minutes of a game. So uh, I, I think that uh, they just have to be intentional about their shot selection and about working good offense against a team that wants to keep the score down, that wants to play more half court defense, and that sort of thing. Let's go ahead and head to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple tiger nine up first this afternoon james from montgomery james is with us james how are you today i'm good and war eagle war eagle i know that y'all are talking about auburn's uh, big win against mississippi state and i think they look like a good team uh to actually have me put them probably the first four in for my March Madness bracket as well. So I think that Bruce Pearl actually did a really good job with uh, Janiah Broome and 
Uh, I, I see great things coming out of uh, out of the Auburn men's basketball program when when that time actually comes for March Madness as well. Yeah, again, reminder: Auburn did lose the first matchup against Mississippi State on the men's side of things, and again, they will play for the mm-hmm. second time this weekend. It was the women that beat Mississippi State's women last night at Neville Arena. So hopefully, the Auburn men will will be able to follow up that performance. Yes, as well because I think um, I think they'll play that game tomorrow. Yeah, they play that game Saturday as well. So I'm going to be watching that game very closely before I make my final decisions on who I'm going to actually be picking for my March Madness bracket as well. And then with the with the women's side of things, um, playing with the same team, uh, the women I, I really looked at some highlights from that game on last night on Tuesday night, and it was uh, it, it was really good. Uh, matchup, uh, seeing, uh, Coach Harris and, uh, seeing some of the seniors going out with a, a big win and, and Neville Arena. And I, and I wish those ladies the best of luck on their journey in their near future as well. Yeah. Again, it was a very important win for Auburn's women last night. They have been on the last four in line, according to Charlie Cream's bracketology. Uh, they're mm-hmm. almost out of time here in the regular season. Got one more game at Florida this weekend for the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a big one to get. I, I'm feeling good about their NCAA tournament chances. Don't want them to lose at Florida and then take a first round SEC tournament exit. But I think it, I think one went away from locking themselves into the women's tournament. Yes, as well because I'm actually looking at uh, some great teams that are going to be on the women's side of the March Madness bracket. I'm actually seeing if well. I'm going to say that Auburn is going to, they're actually going to beat Florida because I think Florida, uh, looked at their records and Florida, the Florida Gators, they're not looking so good. So I think this is going to be a really easy, uh, test to actually, uh, you know, to slow down Florida because I think Florida and Auburn, I think they, I think we did play Florida back about a month ago, if I'm correct. I don't think the Auburn women have played Florida this year. I, I know the men did about a month ago, but no, no the women have not. Uh, they have not played Florida this year. This is their only matchup. Okay, so this will be their first matchup um, playing Florida. So I think if they if they beat Florida, they'll actually get into the uh, into the SEC tournament. So I'm just going to see who they're playing, and I think for that first round of the SEC tournament, I'll probably see Florida and Don Staley, uh, South Carolina Gamecocks actually meeting up in the, in that first round as well and taking South Carolina out of that first round of that uh, first round of the tournament and probably play like Alabama or Ole Miss in the second or third round of that tournament as well. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how the bracket shakes out right now. I believe Auburn would be the seventh seed in the women's tournament that would have them playing uh, the 10 seeded team, which I think at this moment would be Arkansas. Uh, could end mm-hmm. up being Texas A&M. We'll see. Um, that 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 would help them avoid South Carolina. You do not want to play South Carolina uh, at all, uh, preferably, but especially not early in the SEC women's tournament. So South Carolina is undefeated. I would not like Auburn's chances at all in that. So uh, yeah, hopefully they do avoid South Carolina, and uh, they would be in that seven ten game and play someone like Arkansas. Yes, as well because I'm actually looking at some other uh, games for the women's side of things. I'm looking at. Uh, Iowa and seeing what uh, Kelly Kelsey Clark is actually doing, she's doing an amazing job with that team, and she's putting up some some WNBA record uh, season breaking records as well. So I think uh, they're they're actually looking good this year. So I'm going to put them in in the women's side of things, and uh, seeing um, probably I'll put in with 
Kelsey Clark for Iowa. I'll probably put like Oregon or Texas as well. So I just have to see how that how those two teams are going to do uh, this weekend also as well. And uh, Caitlin Clark did uh, go ahead and announce she would be going pro after this year, so she will be going into the WNBA draft after the season. Yes, as well, because I did uh, get a chance to actually see that on uh, ESPN uh, last night, and I think she was very happy of actually putting herself in the WNBA draft, so I'll probably see her um, probably getting drafted to like the Minnesota Lynx or the Los Angeles, uh, the no, the um, the Las Vegas Aces, the championship Las Vegas Aces. One of those two teams might pick her up as well. We shall see. What else is on your mind? Well, I'm actually going to be covering some NASCAR uh, races this week, and um, I'm actually going to be looking at the truck races that are going to be uh, the qualifying for this weekend and uh, seeing some guys that might uh, win uh, in Las Vegas. So that's the next uh, step for NASCAR. So they'll be, they'll be racing in Las Vegas. So that would be a really good uh, thing for me to actually uh, get back and uh, seeing some trucks that are going to be racing in uh, NASCAR in Las Vegas. Uh, Motor Speedway this weekend. And you know, James, actually someone that went to Auburn University races in the Camping World Truck Series, it's uh, Brett Holmes. So, uh, yeah, we got yeah. an Auburn guy in there. Yeah, so I'm actually going to um, probably see him for the truck uh, qualifying, so I'm just going to see how he's going to qualify. I'm hoping he'll get the first um, the pole sitting spot, so I think that would be a really good uh, thing for Brent. So I think he would uh, look really good uh, winning in Las Vegas, Nevada as well. Yeah, we shall see. We'll wish him the best. Yes, as well. And then with um, the NFL scouting combine, I've um, looked at a lot of guys from Auburn. They're looking really good. And I'm actually doing my uh, 2024 uh, fantasy football draft that I'm actually going to be uh, looking at. So I'm actually uh, trying to see who I want to put, who I want to pick for my draft this year and see if I can make a, a huge uh, turnaround this one this time around this year when that when uh, the football season starts uh, sometime in August as well. Seems a little a little early for the fantasy football before players change teams and that sort of thing, but I know you're just trying to be extra prepared, so uh, we'll see if it pays off for you. Yes, as well because I'm actually uh, putting some new players on my on my roster. I'm looking. I'm going to be looking this weekend to see how Bo Nix is actually going to look. So I got to see how everything uh, works out for me. So I just got to see if he's going to do pretty good in his 40s, his vertical jump, and his uh, weight classes. So I think he's going to look good for any team out there that might want to pick a, a great. Uh, a great player like Bo Nix, and I, I think he's a really good fit for like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of those two teams as well. Yeah, we'll see. It just depends on uh, what kind of project they want with Bo. If they want somebody, want him to sit behind a veteran for a couple of years, or go ahead and buy for the job early. I think it'd probably be a mistake for him to uh, go someplace where he needed to be in the quarterback battle right away. I think he should probably go somewhere where. He can wait a year or two, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what organization ends up selecting him. Yes, as well. And then with the NBA games that are going to be played tonight, um, do you think 
Uh, do you think that a comparison between LeBron James and Steph Curry, do you see those two actually teaming up in the near future of the basketball uh, world as well? I mean, I, I think it would uh, shake, shake the basketball world a lot, man. And I, uh, I, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't mind it. I do not think in a million years it would happen. Uh, I don't think LeBron wants to leave L.A. I definitely don't think Steph wants to leave Golden State. Uh, you know, in the past, they've been hinting at it a little bit. But uh, I just I don't think the stars will ever align quite like that. I think it would be, again, unbelievable must-see TV, even though they are – uh, advanced age they've still been playing excellent basketball LeBron's been awesome late Steph has been awesome so uh, it would be quite the watch but I don't think that'll be happening yes yeah, so because I, I think LeBron James he's actually hit his 40th 400 career win in uh, basketball history for the Los Angeles Lakers and I think he might uh, pass uh, Michael Jordan but that is no time soon for LeBron James as well. Yeah, I think it was 40,000 career points, uh, mm-hmm. total points. So uh, yeah. that's, that is number one all time. Uh, he's he's also played in uh, many more games there than MJ. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think what he's done is unbelievable. The longevity he's had has, has been unbelievable. Uh, he is 39 years old. He'll be 40 uh, next year or at the end of this year in December. Uh, and, and so uh, his longevity with all the games he has played has been quite impressive. Yes, as well. And then with the Auburn A-Day game coming up in April, I'm thinking about going to it this year, but I'm just going to see how what what will Hugh Freeze actually bring uh, out of the freezer for this year uh, for Auburn. And I'm hoping that Auburn would win a national championship this year and probably seeing Auburn and Michigan actually playing for uh, that chance in Atlanta as well. Yeah, we will. Uh, we've got a long way to go till we get there, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what they've got in the spring. We're certainly excited about it. We know spring practice started this week, and a lot of work to do, but hopefully, development uh, all across the program. Any final thoughts to, uh, for us today, James? Where I have to let you go. Um, the only final thoughts I actually have is uh, for my good friend Matt. Uh, just tell him to keep his head up and uh, keep winning a lot of uh, a lot of um, you know a lot of his races and um and i know he's going to do good as well all right we will uh we will pass that along all right sounds good and war eagle war eagle that is james from montgomery joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line we need to take our first time out when we come back get the birthdays and sports and more of your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line this is the friday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn we're done paying the bills now back to sports call on tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. The wet weather is uh, playing a role already this weekend as uh, Auburn softball has went ahead and canceled uh, their game tonight uh, between themselves and Northwestern. They're supposed to play a couple different teams this weekend. Should have a doubleheader tomorrow and fr- uh, Sunday. Uh, and then also Auburn baseball will see if they end up canceling or not. They already pushed their game time back an hour or two today until uh, I believe 7 o'clock. And uh, looking at radar, we've got another couple hours of rain, so I would not be surprised if we get a cancellation uh, or of that one. Suspension, postponement, however you want to term it. I, I think we'll end up having a doubleheader is what I'm saying at some point this weekend for Auburn and UConn. So uh, we'll keep you updated there because we do want to get into baseball uh, for a few minutes at some point today. Uh, before playing a pretty impressive UConn team. So uh, that's the latest there with Auburn baseball and softball. Again, softball canceled for tonight, baseball, and already pushed back to seven and no cancellation yet, but could be coming uh, shortly. All right, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. All right, today we've got Yolanda Griffith, who turns 54, former WNBA player. Griffith is considered one of the greatest rebounders and defensive players in the history of women's basketball. She last played in the WNBA as a member of the Indiana Fever. In 2011, she was voted in by the fans as one of the top 15 players in WNBA history, currently an assistant coach with the Boston College Eagles. She was inducted into the 2014 Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Yolanda Griffith is 54 today. Chris Weber is 51, former NBA player. Weber played college basketball at Michigan before being selected first overall by the Golden State Warriors, where he would go on to win Rookie of the Year award. However, his best would come as a Sacramento King, where he established himself as one of the better bigs in the league. Weber would end his career as a five-time All-Star and All-NBA first-teamer three-time All-NBA second team, and much more in 2021. Weber was inducted into Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, and my personal moment for the Chris Weber career was when he called a timeout he did not have, helping the North Carolina Tar Heels win the national championship. Chris Weber is 51 today. That was shameless, and I'm sorry it's his birthday. We're supposed to celebrate, but I can't help it. Anyway, Tyreek Hill is 30. He is a uh, current Miami Dolphin. Hill is considered to be one of the fastest receivers of all time. Uh, Hill played college football originally at Garden City Community College before going to Oklahoma State, then has made his way to West Alabama. The Kansas City Chiefs selected Hill in the fifth round of the 2016 NFL Draft and would make a name for himself as a punt returner. Now he is one of the best wide receivers in the league with the Dolphins. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler, a five-time first-team All-Pro, and a Super Bowl champion. And, uh, indeed, one of the best wide receivers in the league. I was actually thinking... He should have been in the MVP conversation for a little while until it trailed off a little bit at the end there. But uh, Tyreek Hill is awesome. He is 30 today. And another awesome NFL wide receiver is Jamar Chase. He is just 24 today, current Cincinnati Bengal. Chase was committed to Kansas to play football before flipping to play for LSU. I think he made a wise decision. In 2019, Chase would have an outstanding season uh, with LSU and win the Blitnikoff Award and a national championship. Chase would go on selected fifth overall in the 2021 NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals to pair him with, of course, his former college quarterback Joe Burrow. Chase has already established himself as one of the best wide receivers in the league, winning Offensive Rookie of the Year alongside being a three-time Pro Bowler and second-team All-Pro. Still one of the more, uh, yes, not from the Auburn perspective because he did victimize Auburn a little bit, 
uh, but one of the more fun college offenses that we've seen uh, with uh, Joe Burrow and those guys, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, etc. Jamar Chase is 24 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Jamar Chase, 24. Tyree Kill, 30. Chris Weber, 51. Yolanda Griffith, 54. Uh, yeah, Hill and Chase uh, would like yeah. either one of those guys yeah. Yeah, on my like. football team. <laughs> yeah, yep. for sure. Absolutely would like either one of those guys would on, love. on my team. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our next timeout, our final timeout of our number one. Again, coming up, more of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Got some college football rule changes to discuss, including another update from the NCAA on some NIL stuff. Uh, but, again, also some rule changes for the game itself coming this fall. A lot of stuff to talk about college football. We'll get into that predominantly in the 4 o'clock hour. So stay tuned. More sports call coming up after this. is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dontry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. few minutes left here uh, in this 3 o'clock hour. Uh, lots to get to still ahead. More breakdown of Auburn, Mississippi State. More preview of it. Uh, also more on college football as we have a couple of uh, rule changes to discuss I did in the next five or so minutes before the end of the hour want to go ahead and, and mention the an, an update and potential conclusion of an investigation that has been well talked about in the last couple of months around college athletics. Uh, news from On3 and Pete, uh, Pete Nakos, uh, the NCAA is pausing all NIL-related investigations involving collectives as a response to Tennessee and Virginia lawsuits. So not only – are they pausing the investigation of the NIL with Tennessee and their quarterback? But they're pausing all of them for the moment. Um, just Everybody reading the headline. Everybody break all the rules now. Yeah, just reading the headline. What, what rules? <laughs> what rules are there to break? <laughs> that, would seem, that would seem to say, go ahead and do it because we're not going to stop you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So... I mean, thoughts on the latest from the NCAA, which seems less and less powerful by the day. I've been Break scre- all the rules. Brant says what rules. Yeah. Touche. I, I, I've been screaming into this microphone for like, for, I think since I got here, since NIL became a thing that got approved, 
the NCAA had a 10-year head start on this and chose to just not act. <laughs> and still and this wrong. is where the game is. This is where the game is now. And look, I, I'm a fan of NIL. I'm a fan of the, the concept of players getting paid what they're worth uh, to, their, to their prospective universities. I feel like they make so much money for these schools and for these organizations that they should see a cut of it and a rather substantial cut of it. But instead, we're going to see these NIL collectives. We're going to see pay-for-play. We're going to see recruiting using money. We're going to see these things that people just don't want to see, or at least the things that have been illegal that that chase so many people away from that chase so many people to the sport because it supposedly doesn't happen. Uh, just a, a lot of things that you know. The NCAA had a chance to get out ahead of this, to be proactive, to say, "Hey, here's what we're working on," and instead they sat on their hands and did nothing for a decade. And now the game is in a worse spot because of it. Yeah, I do agree. It definitely is in a worse spot because they decided to sit on their hands and and just go about this all the wrong way. And then all of a sudden, now now you're in a place where you can't go back, and uh, it's uh, it's a detriment to them. And now we're seeing you know how college football is now. And I don't know if if it's ever going to change. It probably will never be able to go back. The cat's out of the bag now. Uh, which is which is unfortunate. My proposition, I've thought about this. My proposition would have been to cut it off for an entire year and then just reset. I would have thought that maybe could have worked, but maybe not. Just, I mean, you just got it. There's something that you have to do, right? There's you have to do something. And if you were to end it for one year and then reset and then put it in a in and and reinstitute some rules. I thought I think that would have been maybe the best course of action. Nobody would have liked it. I don't think anybody would have liked it. But it would have been probably a necessary action to potentially rein this in some because now I mean it's 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 out of control and we all agree that 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 that, that it is absolutely way out of control. Not just I don't know if it's the NCAA or like however you I mean obviously we don't think they have too much power and they're losing power by the day at this point, but something needs to be done and, and because it's just going to get worse from here on out. You know, I, I, that would certainly be one of the extremes. The other extreme is what we might be on the cusp of here of letting everything go, uh, almost like a purge, uh, for a a period of time. Yeah. The problem when you do stuff like that is again, it's very hard to rein it back in, but then you do something like you propose cam and then the people feel victimized for being on the teams at this current time and say, why could we not, uh, partake in this? I, it's a mess. It will be a mess for a while. I don't see an end in sight. I think I've said that last year. I, Probably just going to copy and paste that sentence into a bunch of our different shows, and <laughs> right? Just let it air at moment at uh, different times, but um, you know what they're doing here is certainly going to lend itself to a little bit more chaos in the coming months. I, I was trying to read the uh, the news report uh, quickly. There is something about an August first potential enforcement period and trying to uh, give a heads up on enforcement, give a similar to what you're talking about, um, give a a runway until the time that they do enforce certain things, uh, but still not at all to the level that needs to be done in terms of the scope, in terms of the issues teams uh, and schools have state by state with having different laws. It is one of the things that we continue to need to talk about because it's so much a part of it, the sport now, but it's one of the things where it just gives me mass headaches because 
Um, it's even hard to, with all the things out there for me to come up with a stern solution uh, other than put a cap on it, you know, yeah. operate under your cap, Gosh. and that's it. You know, make it make it like that. But um, it, it is, again, that's not what it's supposed to be about because it's supposed to be about you getting money from a business. Like right. I saw Jackson Dart of Ole Miss Jackson the other day. Dart gets to fly private right. jets. Right. It's a deal with a private jet company, which, look, that's in a sense ludicrous. That's a college athlete right. with a private jet company. But <laughs> – that's NIL. That, at its form, is NIL. I agree. And that's what it was supposed to be about. It was supposed to be Bonex drinking Milo's sweet tea. And it's supposed to be about you supporting an Under Armour product versus a Nike product or vice versa. That's what it was supposed to be about. Not, we're going to give you $500,000 to play at Florida. Or we're going to give you a million dollars to play at Texas. Or seven hundred k at Auburn, like right. etc. That's not what it was supposed to be. That is what it's become. So unless you're going to be putting your foot down and dividing, it has to be business-oriented or come out of local economy, then you're going to end up needing to have a cap because that's what's going to be able to police everybody in the same way, regardless of state law and that sort of thing. We are out of time for this first hour of the show. We'll have more college football rule talk. Yay, love it. Uh, in the 4 o'clock hour, we will have to talk about some actual changes that are not NIL-related. Ross Dellinger reporting of a couple of changes. Some were tested during bowl season, you'll recall, so we'll talk about that uh, coming up in just a minute. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. 2nd hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Brent Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday afternoon. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls today. Again, coming up in just a little bit, want to get into college football's rule changes for the 2024 season. Uh, we will have uh, a, a couple of different uh, topics there because there are going to be a couple of rule changes uh, going to be a couple different rule changes, not only uh, to the timing element, but also uh, what players and coaches are able to do on the sidelines and that sort of thing. So we will have uh, a little bit of discussion on that. Also coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Uh, we'll also get to 
uh, what to watch for over the weekend. Also coming up at some point in the 4 o'clock hour, we will have Swartzwell's Player of the Week and a little bit more review of the Auburn and Mississippi State game uh, as we continue to uh, preview that one and uh, have a, a couple of different discussions that we want to get to on that one. We'll be back to our orthopedic clinic phone line here in just a few minutes. But, uh, but guys, uh, again, when we're looking at uh, that ruling we were talking about on the uh, other side of that break, the NIL ruling, uh, got, if you're Tennessee, Virginia, you got to feel uh, like a million bucks, especially Tennessee. <sighs> Because, yeah, I mean, you were, we talked about this. If the NCAA had gone the right way or had actually enforced this, Tennessee's just coming off a penalty. Right. You're going to get hammered the Absolutely. second time in a couple of years. That's part of the reason Harbaugh uh, was not feeling very great about staying at Michigan. He had just gotten penalized. If he gets penalized again, it's going to be double and triple. Uh, and, and so for Tennessee, I told you that. If the NCAA had followed through for this and if they somehow won in the courts and they had the right to punish, Tennessee was probably getting a bowl ban, which is very rare now. Uh, that, that is not the type of penalty you see very often. So Tennessee's got to be feeling great today. And, again, it opens up uh, another whole new world. We've had whole new world after whole new world with NIL and college athletics. Yeah, I, I mean, it continues. I, I definitely have – a thought I didn't even think about, you know, the Jim Harbaugh stuff of this. Do you think he would have stayed in college had he realized this, or do you think it was always going to be that he was just going to make the move for the NFL? Because he does want to win in Lombardi, like he, he did say that. But you know, I thought he was going to be pretty set on the on staying in college until you know the the penalties and things like that. That it seemed like he was going to receive, and well, so I, I'm very. I was just curious about that. Well, his first penalty was the NIL recruiting right. stuff, kind of around right. COVID, right? Uh, well, mainly recruiting stuff. But his second penalty again would have been with, the, with what he knew about the, the cheating, cheating scandal. So, so it wouldn't have had much to yeah. do with. Okay, so he was probably gone either way. Yeah, okay, just just curious. Yeah, just curious. I would have said so. And then especially you win the national title, it's kind of like you can't go. Out uh, right you, you you rob the <laughs> bank and got away with it, and you're getting out of town. You can't stay around in town because you got away with Seriously. it. Seriously, but uh, you, you leave town. And another and, town made you the sheriff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and they keep they've shown him an excessive amount of times at the combine. We've been watching the combine yeah. already and some of these Auburn guys that are there. But uh, anyway, again, with the NIL stuff, and um, I, I then read a follow-up to the Tennessee uh, report or the report from the NCAA letting, letting this go for the moment, pausing it, uh, that Tennessee is preparing for a model that would be the team paying the players, the school paying the players, not the businesses and not the – uh, NIL collectives, I should say. So um, these are all things that will be decided on if these major conferences break from the NCAA uh, and, and initiate a new kind of governing structure to whatever the heck we have left in the sport with however many teams and conferences that want to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I, I just – I keep going back to this is not what college football is no. supposed to be, right? This is not what anybody wanted from NIL. Even people who like me who wanted to see the players get paid. I don't want to see a school say, hey, I can pay you more than this, and you start a bidding war over a kid who's like 17 or 18 years old because that kid's going to go where the money is most likely. Uh, and I, I, I can't hold it against them. But money, pay for play or, or pay for signing your name – uh, at the college level, pay for recruiting classes is not something that 
I don't think anybody wanted to see, but that is absolutely where we're headed. Uh, and and it it sucks, and it's uh, kind of scary, and it's definitely yeah. going to fundamentally change the way that you go about roster construction uh, at college in 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 college football. So um, I, I think that it's a shame. And again, I I. I sound like a broken record every time I say this, but 10 years ago was the first time this it was evident that this was going to become a problem, and, yeah. and nothing was done about it. No, not a thing was done about it, and, and here we are. I mean, this is the professionalization of college sports. These guys are now – you're talking about Tennessee being a model where the, the school is directly paying the athletes. That, I mean, they're an employee. That's an employee. That is what that is. I don't I, unless you want to say that there. I, I guess you could put it out in terms of of contracting. Maybe I, I, I don't. I don't really know. You know, at this point, maybe you sign a, a certain contract, but then, uh, I mean, I, I mean, with football, you do have to stay at least three years. So I guess there's that. Um, just, just you're locked in. But in terms of a player transferring, the transfer portal, all of that stuff, I think we are going to see kind of a, a, a drop in that as much. Uh, but again, I guess the NCAA being a governing body that's not going to exist as much to have whatever power anymore. Who's going to be the one that's going to be overseeing the transfer portal? You know, who's going to be the one that's making the decisions of of how many times a certain player can transfer? How that's going to go about? It, it just it's just layers upon layers of things that it, it's just opening up a, a, a Pandora's box. I mean, it's already oh, it's, open. Yeah, I was going to say open. We're, we're there. It, it's yeah. already open and and. Now, I mean, again, it is gonna. It's impossible to close. And again, a, a player getting paid by a by the school by the school. I mean, that's an employee in my in my thought process, or or a contractor. But again, that comes with benefits and, and different things like that. So it, it's a lot, and I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure where we where we go from here. It's very dangerous. Like 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 Brant said, it's it's scary, and you don't really know what college football is going to be at this point anymore. It's not going to be the sport that we all came to know and love. I don't think you know the the players just getting paid to go wherever, and uh, it's just it's just wild. And 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 I I don't love it. Um, I was of the opinion, and still am of the opinion. That players should get compensated for their name, image, and likeness. I will always stand that they should have gotten that. But this, this is, this is not what this was meant to be. And and you said that, Ryan. This is this was not what this was meant to be. And and it's just essential pay for play. These collectives, if it's not of local businesses, like you said in the first hour, then you know I, I just I, these collectives are just things that truly should not probably exist. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 to give us a call on the orthopedic phone line this afternoon. Let's head back to the phone line right now. Ward Damn Steve. It's Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hi, I'm enjoying your comments, guys. Good afternoon, uh, Ron, Ham, and Brett. And a shout-out to Mr. T.P. Hammock. Run the board. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? Okay, so guys, name, image, and likeness. You know, what could go wrong, right? Uh, everything. <laughs> uh, eventually, uh, I foresee that there will probably be a college football players association. I, I in some form, I don't know what it will be called or how it will be represented, but uh, there, who knows if they go to a players union? I, at this point, I, you can maybe power rank certain things that are likely or unlikely, but I don't think anything is completely off the table at this point with the changing landscape. 
Now, you guys probably know by now, I was never a supporter of the NIL. And the uh, the, the view is, and Brent, respectfully, I disagree that they should get paid. Well, I've always had the viewpoint that they were already getting paid. You know, they were getting a full scholarship, great meals, uh, free lodging, uh, and and uh, all the health care that they needed. My son and daughter still have some outstanding uh, college school debt to Auburn University. Um, they didn't get any of those things. So I can say that would be a pretty fair trade. So here, here's my take on that. And, yes, I 100% agree, free education, all that, that's great. Uh, and that's certainly a benefit to playing college football, whether or not they make more money. My stance on it is is not that the school I, – I, I know I've talked about it from the perspective of the school. To me, it's not equitable what they are getting. Free tuition is not equitable to the amount of money that they are generating. These TV contracts right now, uh, ESP, Disney, the Disney Corporation, has paid the SEC over a billion dollars to get the rights to broadcast those games. That cut, that billion dollars – is not equitable, or, or what what the players are getting is not equitable to the amount of money that the or that the SEC and corporate and other conferences like it are making off of these athletes. That's that's where I think that's where I think the money should be coming from. That's my solution to this whole thing. You don't get paid for going to a school; you get paid for playing in a certain conference. And at that point, it's up to whatever conference to make sure that they can keep up. That way you don't that one particular school does not have an advantage over the other. Now those conferences have advantage, but those conferences have had advantage for a long time. We're we're moving to a power two. So I, I'm not really concerned with keeping the conferences balanced, even though I do think that conferences I, I wish that more conferences were popular. I wish that there were more than two big time conferences in college football. But since we're already heading that way, I think that this is how you keep it balanced. Even if you can't keep it balanced throughout all of college football, these TV deals—that's what these players should be seeing a cut of, because that's what—that is where the money is in college football. All right, fair enough. Uh, I think you're heading in the right direction because I got an article right here that lets me think that you know there's probably going to be two conferences. The haves and the have-nots. And I'm reading this from Bleacher Report uh, from Paul Kasabian. Uh, it was uh, done uh, three days ago. It says 14-team, 14-team college football format playoff being discussed. And guess what one of the, uh, I guess, uh, outcomes of this 14-team format would, would be, guys. The Big Ten and the SEC will each get three automatic bids. Yep. Yep. Now, in the past, people have gone, oh, my God, holy crap, we don't want to have two SEC teams playing in the playoffs, right? Not anymore. You might get three. Well, I mean, they're going to get three. The The issue is, is it guaranteed These to them? Or, or, yeah, is it guaranteed, or is there still a ranking system influencing more playoff spots than not? And uh, there's some other proposals in there you might get to in a second, Steve, with about uh, what the SEC and Big Ten are trying to do in terms of uh, and try, trying to get an automatic buy too, which again is getting progressively, uh, I'm becoming more disagreeable with. And this actually came from Pat Ford, that Bleacher Report was, uh, was reporting this. And they also, apparently, uh, according to Pat Ford's sources, Big Ten actually wanted four automatic bids. 
Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure the SEC wanted four at some point too. It's more guaranteed money. It's a it's a more guaranteed cut of the college football playoff every year because you you do it by cut and that the amount of conference teams go. So you get twelve. Let's start with twelve. Okay, you have twelve. Um, then you have say four from two conferences and one and one and one and one. Uh, then you would have thirty three percent of that revenue going to uh, a certain conference based off of their team's participants and that sort of thing. So uh, it guarantees you uh, a larger cut of it than some years you might have less. I mean, the, the the ironic thing is, yes, the SEC and the Big Ten would be the two conferences most likely to, or to deserve this. However, because they're the most likely to deserve it, they're the most likely to get this amount of teams in there anyway. It's just kind of a it's kind of a backdoor guarantee that they do, but I don't think many people would say the SEC is going to get less than three teams. And even a 12-team playoff, let alone the four, you add two more teams to it, or the SEC and Big Ten should be covered with that. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not a fan of the guarantees. Not a fan at all. Yeah, I thought maybe even I guess now, that if you had more teams you know, in the playoff, it'd be sort of like maybe equivalent eventually to the actual NCAA basketball tournament where uh, – Lesser-known, uh, smaller schools get, get a chance to go uh, and to, to play, but not so in uh, college uh, football playoffs, right? Well, the problem with that is is that you still we we've talked about this a lot of why upsets exist a lot in basketball and in baseball more than they do in football. The physicality of it with football still dictates the room for less of a variance and less of. Uh, big time shocking results. Yes, yes, they happen from time to time. We can all do our favorite list of top five wildest upsets and this, that, and the other thing. But the deal is, is that when you are a better athlete, when you're more physical, you're faster, or you throw further, or whatever, those things seem to be able to be more repeatable than trying to shoot a 25 foot jumper or you know, having referees call fouls that get people in foul trouble really quickly and, and that sort of thing. And then in baseball, launch angle and all that good stuff. And so uh, my thought is that there is still less of an upset likelihood. And what we're just simply trying to do is allow for the possibility that one team, maybe two, out of a smaller conference pool is like the big boys. And they are above all their other cohorts in the group of five. That's what we're trying to do with an expanded playoff. We're not trying to let every single conference get a representation because we still can de- delineate at least enough that one or two teams, they just look different. They're just different than everything else around them. We're not trying to say an 8-4 and four MAC champion like Buffalo is on the same level of an 11-1 and one SEC or Big Ten champion. But what we do want to find out is is the 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 Boise State of the world the UCF at the time are they comparable are they able to to play on that level so it's never been about duplicating the NCAA basketball tournament it's not it's not able to be duplicated in this sport but what it's about is making sure you have gone to all ends of the earth to find every possibility in terms of the top the very top teams and warding off any potential uh, stigma that there's not any chance that one team, not four or five, but one team from a group of five could end up actually being as good as all the other other teams. And just real quickly with that, guys, you know, we have a 
uh, I guess in the college football playoff commission, uh, will that eventually dissolve and be no longer in existence? Uh, the the college football playoff committee, you said. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, no, there'll always in, be a committee. No, there'll be a committee because because they'll still have to select some teams. It won't be the whole. It won't all be automatic. Even if they get up their wish of four and four, that's still uh, and then a couple other conference locks. I think that's still four at large bids or something like that. And with the three and three, okay. it'd be six. So yeah, no, they still need a committee. I'm just hoping we'd get further and further away from the, the to me glaring subjectivity, uh, especially like this year when when Florida State got screwed. Uh, that that kind of stuff, you know, maybe would. Uh, eventually you know be done away with but i guess not then uh, all right i mean we tried it with the bcs for a while and everybody hated it i personally i prefer the humans to the computers but i i still think they do definitely get some stuff wrong okay let's talk about tomorrow's night uh, toward a uh, uh, three o'clock game guys uh i was feeling uh kind of okay about uh our opponent tomorrow and then uh-oh i didn't want to see this quote Comes from uh, our none uh, other Coach Bruce Pearl, who said, "What about Josh Hubbard?" Quote: "The Dalton connect dangerous in terms of his ability to carry on the offense." I said, "Good God!" Uh, I thought we were through with Dalton connect, and now he calls Hubbard the Dalton connect dangerous. See, uh, guys, what's your take? Is that coach speak? Yes. Uh, or, or what? Yes, it is. Uh, Josh Hubbard's a good player. I mean, there's. Look, there's no doubt about that. He's averaging around uh, 15, 16 a game. Uh, he he had a very successful game against Auburn the first time. Um, you know, he very well might be like a second team All SEC selection. I'm not sure if they do three teams or just two teams, or maybe third team, something like that. Good player, really good player. Don't connect to be a top 15 or so pick in the NBA draft. That's a whole different kind of player. Don't connect to be the SEC player of the year, and. Uh, very few people in the entire sport. I would say maybe five uh, at the major college level. There might be a few guys in, in smaller conferences that I just am not able to keep up with. But there might be five guys capable in college basketball scoring a forty-point game in, in a big game that matters. So, yeah, it's coach speak. Josh Hubbard's good. He might have twenty points, but um, if he's had forty, the stars have aligned for him in a way that they will not align again. Uh, he is not. He is not on Dal- Dalton Connect's level, and really, no one is, and not in the SEC. Okay, well, thanks for uh, bringing me down there, because uh, I was. You know, I say, okay, uh, I don't know if I can watch the game then. Uh, I'm still having flashbacks um, uh, from uh, Dalton Connect. I'm, I'm still having dreams of there he goes again. Uh, and then Pearl has this little gem of a quote. I think surely you really can't believe this. He calls Mississippi State, and this is coming from his uh, um, uh, conference, I guess. He calls Mississippi State the third best team to come to Neville Arena behind Alabama and Kentucky. What, what about South Carolina? I mean, I think you could hold the opinion Mississippi State's as good as South Carolina. I mean, I I think that. Third best team, excluding South Carolina? Uh, I, I said I think you could put them on the same level. I think it could be a matter of opinion between South Carolina and Mississippi State. I might lean South Carolina, but. If you have the opinion that they're as good as them or a little bit better, like it's not, I don't think it's shocking. I mean, South Carolina's metrics are all bad. It depends on what depends on what you look at. You look at the human poll, or do you look at the the analytical data? Because the analytical data will say Mississippi State's a little better. The humans will say uh, South Carolina's a little better. Okay, so we've still got our team has still a lot to play for, and even 
Pearl said, Bruce Pearl said he's taught his team that seeding is really important, and I, and I agree. I hope that should be motivation. I mean, I don't want to see our team drop to a, a seven or nine. You're you're, you're going to be in, uh, in in a horror uh, if you get that low, right? Talking about a seven in the SEC tournament or the NCAA no, no, tournament? Seven in the NCAA. If you're a they're not going to drop. They don't. Don't worry, Steve. They're not going to drop to a seven unless they lose all these games, uh, and I don't think they're going to lose all these games. So. Uh, they are, again, most sites still a four. I've seen them. One or two sites have put them as a five. Um, I think they're a four. Um, and I think that's, again, the majority of the of the bracketologists there. Uh, so I will tell you they're not going to get a, a wealth of credit for these next three games if they win. But uh, I do expect them to win them. They're not going to lose credit for them. And so I think that they're going to be heading into the SEC tournament as about a four seed in the NCAA tournament. So there's nothing from what you're saying, Ryan, what I guess, that will increase their odds to make it to a three seed, no matter if they win all three games and do uh, really good uh, in the SEC tournament. Because I've always read and heard, that the, unless I'm wrong here, that the committee really doesn't give very much importance to the tournament champions. It, it does not feel that way. It, it has not felt over the last four or five years of studying this closely that they give a lot of credence to – uh, conference tournaments other than obviously having to place the, the champions in as automatic qualifiers. So uh, Mississippi State is the best remaining game that Auburn has. Uh, they're the only tournament team Auburn has remaining in this regular season. And then uh, obviously that the road game against Missouri, it's the worst team in the league. It's not going to be a good quad opportunity at all. Mississippi State, ironically, was at, at one time this week a quad one game, but it's now their number 31. you got to be top 30 at home. And so I'll tell you that <laughs> – the, the catch-22 for Auburn is if they lose, it will become a quad one game. Mississippi State will move up into the top 30 in the net. If Auburn wins, Mississippi State will not move up, and it will not be a quad one. So it is a conundrum, uh, but uh, nevertheless, this is a good, solid team. It's an NCAA tournament team, uh, but it will not help Auburn's quad one resume. So a quad three is probably unrealistic for us. A quad three? What do you mean by that? I mean a um – a three seed, a three seed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would not rule it out, but Auburn absolutely has to win out and do damage in the SEC tournament. And again, even that's not a guarantee because look, you got other teams around you too that could do damage at this point. But um, if they win their games, they're they're not going to fall. It won't be a five; it'll be a four. And uh, I would say that yes, although. Uh, you'd love to get to three. That would you would avoid the one seed and the Sweet Sixteen. I think that in reality, uh, the four is the is again the very most likely outcome for Auburn. Okay, and speaking of, speaking with uh, basketball guys, uh, I was really um, happy for uh, Miss Honesty uh, to have had a heck of a game last night. Uh, I read here she scored thirty two points, career high, but she did it in thirty two minutes. Yep. Yeah, no, she was on it last night. It was a special senior night for her. So they had a legitimate likelihood yes. to make it to the tournament? Mississippi State, uh, like in women, I mean, their women's and men's teams are pretty close. Their women's team is an NCAA tournament team, not a top 25 team, but NCAA tournament team. So uh, for Auburn women to get that after being last four in, uh, 
as long as they don't go loss-loss, lose at Florida to end the regular season, then lose to start their conference tournament, I feel pretty good about them being in the tournament now. But we'll see. I mean, okay. it's still – again, that's judging off that bracketology. Maybe Charlie's wrong. I've not followed as much uh, women's bracketology. So, uh, if he, he could be wrong. Auburn could have been first four out uh, in the tournament committee's minds uh, heading into that game. I don't know. But I, I, if Auburn wins one more, I feel pretty good about it. Okay. Uh, you're, you're, you, typically, you're, you're pretty good – at these lines, um, what well, I haven't seen a line yet. I don't think it's come out. I've not. Uh, what would you make? What would you make the line for tomorrow? I would. Uh, Brant, Brant wants in. I, well, I I know what the line is. Go oh. ahead and set one. Oh, in. I don't know yeah. the line. Uh, where where have you seen line? it? Uh, I I can't remember where. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Josh Dub on Twitter who posted about it. Okay. Uh, I would guess. I'd probably go high single digits. I'd probably go. About eight and a half or so, Auburn favored something That's in the eight and a half to nine range. Uh, I don't know what what what. I guess Brant can reveal. The yeah, answer. the uh, okay, it, it, it is it is the line from FanDuel. Auburn's favored by nine and a half. Hey, okay, there we go. Yep. So okay. they're favored by nine and a half. Missed by a half. So winning means we should win because we win all games by double digits, right, guys? That has been the case so far. Uh, I would I would be. While, where I was skeptical against Tennessee, I would say that way more possible here. Now, Auburn does not need to take this game lightly, again, for the reasons we talked about. But uh, I can definitely see Auburn win this game by 12 or 13 points. And, that, again, you hear that final margin. That does not necessarily mean Auburn had it in the bag the whole time. We all went home and had our merry Saturdays. It could still mean that Mississippi State was down five or six with four or five minutes left, and that's that's a close game. And then Auburn just hit a couple threes and and ended on them. But uh, this this is definitely in play to be continuing that double digit victory. All right, um, how many of you guys are going to the game tomorrow? Uh, I am going in a professional capacity, and I think uh, okay. I think that's it. All right, real um, quickly, I saw a line that uh, maybe scratched my head because uh, Vegas is, is sometimes. They're, they're, they're cagey in some of these lines. And you say, really? Uh, I've seen the Alabama-Tennessee line, guys. Have you seen it? I have not. Brent? I have not seen it. Okay, what do you, you think the line is? I would probably favor Alabama by a point and a half. Point and a half. Like I was going to go like three. Maybe two. I mean, I'm looking, well, looking for it right Very now. good, guys. It's two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, nice. Nice work, Cam. Good job. Okay. I thought Tennessee was going to be favored. Not on the road. No, yeah, not, not on, on the road. road. Not in at home, Coliseum. Yes, but not on the road. Yeah. Not on the road. They are uh, tied in the got, SEC. Yeah. So. yeah I mean, yeah, I know. And, I, and I honestly think this game, I, I know, Ryan, you probably think it's Dalton Connect that's going to be SEC Player of the Year, but I think this game will determine who gets the SEC Player of the Year between Mark Sears and Dalton Connect. Whichever team finishes at the top of the SEC, I think will get SEC Player of the Year between Sears and Connect. We can talk about that later, but I would yeah. disagree. So we can debate that later. Okay. So tell me if you think my, my son, who I mentioned, who just you know, loves uh, college football, I'm the best one. He watches all these plays. So he tells me that he says, wait for a beatdown. He thinks that Alabama is going to just destroy Tennessee tomorrow. Well, what was your guy? 
I mean, I know Tennessee destroyed them in uh, in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. I know that with Alabama's offense, I mean, you better keep up. Yeah. I mean, Alabama's going to score right. tomorrow. They're, they're not going to be down in the 60s or 70s. They're going to score. So when you have that in mind, it's possible. But, uh, look, Bama's defense is bad, too. Tennessee's going to have their shots. And I know I think some Auburn fans are <laughs> are kind of pessimistic that Dalton Connect's going to be terrible tomorrow and, and uh, Tennessee's not going to be who they're capable of being. Uh, but uh, I, I think that I think I do think Alabama will win. I do think it'll be close, though. I think Tennessee's too good to blow out personally. Um, but I, I think that it'll be a very close game. I, I I just think that probably comes from knowing how great of an offense Alabama is. I think they're still at like ninety a game or something like that. They have not gone down at all in conference plays. Usually, teams go down a couple points. So you just know Alabama will score. What it's what it's about for me, and um, probably probably what your son is saying is that Tennessee is not going to be making shots at the rate that they're capable of making them because they'll have them. Alabama's defense is not good, but sometimes you have ten wide open shots and only make two of them. So that's basketball. So you don't see a connect repeat performance. I don't see thirty nine. I think he'll get twenties. Uh, I think he'll get low to mid twenties, but the question is, did he have to take twenty shots to get twenty points? And how efficient you are? That's what I was hoping Auburn would be able to do. I knew he was going to score something, but what I was hoping is that he would be inefficient in doing it. Uh, and unfortunately, he was great from everywhere doing it. So uh, he will score a, a, a palpable amount, but it's just how how difficult is it for him? How many shots does it take? All right, guys, thanks for your time. My time is way way up. Well, you appreciate the time I am given. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy your weekend, have a relaxing one, entertaining one, and uh, hopefully we come away with a uh, less than anxiety-ridden uh, win. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Warrior, guys. Warrior Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward named Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We need to hit a timeout when we come back. Uh, we'll have a word or two on college football. Again, we've been teasing it a couple times already. There are some rule changes that are going to be uh, appear to be going into effect for the fall, so we'll let you know about that when you come back. This is the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dontry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock, run the board and taking your phone calls. As we've been teasing throughout most of the show, I do need to talk a little bit about some NCAA decisions, some college football decisions to uh, add some new rules. Uh, into the sport this year. Uh, Rules, allowances, ability to do things, that sort of thing. Uh, None of these are too um, game-changing, I wouldn't say, no pun intended, but uh, a couple of them allow you to do different things. We saw some of this tested out during bowl season, and here they are right now. Uh, There will now be helmet communication, uh, similar to the NFL, there will be tablets available on the sideline during halftime. And now there will be, this is the biggest game change element, a two-minute warning. So go through some of this reporting by Ross Dellinger and uh, again, give you the specifics again. Uh, all rule recommendations must be approved by the Playing Oversight Committee panel. Uh, this is uh, by April 18th. In games involving FBS teams, each school would have the option to use coach-to-player communication through the helmet to one player on the field. That player would be identified by having a green dot on the back midline of the player's helmet, similar to what you see in the NFL. The communication from the coach to the player would be turned off with 15 seconds remaining on the play clock or when the ball is snapped, whichever comes first. For all three divisions, teams would have the option of using tablets to view in-game video only. The video could include the broadcast feed and camera angles from the coach's sideline and coach's end zone. Teams can have up to 18 active tablets for use in the coaching booth, sideline, and locker room. Tablets could not be connected to other devices to project larger additional images and could not include analytics, data, or data access capability or other communication access. All team personnel would be allowed to view the tablets During the game and then two-minute timeout, the committee proposed adding an automatic timeout when two minutes remain in the second and fourth quarter. This recommendation synchronizes all timing rules, such as 10-second runoffs and stopping the clock when a first down is gained inbounds, which coincides with the two-minute timeout. Steve Shaw, the coordinator of officials, says, quote, the two-minute timeout will allow all end-of-half and end-of-game timing rules to be simplified and sync up with this timeout. This will also help broadcast partners to avoid back-to-back media Timeouts. All right. Love so it. those are the reports, guys. Your thoughts on those three items? Yeah, big fan of the tablets. I, I like that. I think that's going to help a lot of college football players, especially quarterbacks, develop at a at, at a faster rate um, because they'll be able to. It, they make a mistake on the field, they'll be able to instantly go and look at it and see the mistake that they made in terms of just coverage like they do in the NFL and understand that oh this was the coverage whatever whatever and see what they were what the defense was showing them and and they'll be able to kind of distinguish it read it and, and once if they see that a second time and, and and things like that so I think that'll be extremely helpful and then just the communication thing I felt like was a good idea I think it gets rid of just kind of an outdated style of of play calling in, in football overall. Uh, so they'll be able to just communicate with, I, I would assume, the quarterback, right, if you're if you're going to be uh, on the offense and then probably the middle linebacker. And if you're uh, on the defense, I would assume, Brant, you can back me up on that. Yeah, probably uh, either the linebacker or the right, safety, or depending the, on or the safety. Wh- which guy you, you feel like needs to 
be the voice best, best communicator right. best voice okay. whatever so yeah so you know one of those two guys on on that side of the ball and so yeah i i'm i'm a very big fan and then the two minute warning is yeah i, I guess that's fine but uh um i the, the first two the tablet i'm a big fan of as well as the the communications within the helmet i think that's a big advancement for college football and i think it will help the players in a major way yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with, with all of that. I think that the helmet to play, I think that the helmet communication, um, I think that's going to do away with a really fun part of the game, which is the the mixing of signals on the sideline, and you have all the, the different postcards that coaches use. I think that it, it going to, yeah, all the signaling that the guys in the different colored shirts do, I think that's all very fun, uh, but I do think it is better for college football as a whole if they do kind of go to what uh what the nfl does i think that it's more streamlined i think it's going to make life a whole lot easier on players and coaches alike uh so i'm i am a fan of that um the uh what what was the other uh not two minute warning thing the uh, uh tablets the tablets yeah, yeah 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 uh, i think it's interesting that they're not going to allow it to be projected onto a bigger screen you have to look at your individual ipad or whatever service they end up partnering with um i would assume it goes to each like one maybe two to each position group, yeah right? some, something like that i would think i you, you know I, you see a lot of high schools do this and they will have a coach with one ipad he will project it onto the screen and the entire team will watch the one big television and i think that that's uh, a totally totally fine uh even though so i think that's a little bit weird i think it's going to help the players to understand things a little bit better i i think that that uh, watching film live yeah. helps players a ton. Well, I, I mean, think that that's a great idea. Learn, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Uh, and there's a reason that the NFL does it. I think that that is a net positive. The two minute warning. Um, when I saw it, I was, I was against it at first. Not because I'm against the the NFLization of college football. I, I'm perfectly fine with the two minute warning in the NFL, and I don't have any problem with college football trying to emulate the NFL with certain things. Uh, and the two-minute warning is not something that I was 100% against. My concern with it was, so all we've done now is just add another stoppage in which these TV networks can throw in uh, more commercials, and we can extend the runtime of these games even longer. We can have this three-hour broadcast where only half of it is football now, and the other half you're watching the same 20 commercials over and over. And, and that's what I didn't want. Uh, and I, earlier today, though, I voiced that concern to Ryan, and Ryan pulled up that article that he just cited. So if, the, if having this guaranteed timeout decreases the amount of back-to-back -back commercials that we see uh, in college football, that I don't have as big a problem with. All of a sudden, this becomes a lot more manageable. If, the, if it can actually decrease the, the amount of time between football drives you know where where you have more football actually being shown what everybody's trying to watch to begin with i think that is that that is acceptable to me i i'm not 100 like oh this is going to be great i i have to see how it's implemented first but the fact that they are at least saying that they're going to use it to make it easier on networks to not show back-to-back -back commercial breaks like that i think is a good thing so i think that um with the two-minute timeout, that's going to be a concern of many. And we can read whatever the posture and words are, as I did a moment ago and earlier, um, but it's up to them to actually do what they say they're going to do and not add yet another timeout to it. And I 
talked a lot about last year. I still never saw anyone that did the data on it. It's a lot to keep up with, I'm sure. It's probably something that the head of officials will have for us at media days in July in Dallas. But I'd like to see what they said the actual game time was because it did not feel uh, any quicker uh, in any way. Um, I, I, I really don't think it did. And so maybe did they shave – two minutes off three minutes but at the expense of seven or eight more plays nine more plays uh you know not necessarily anything that i'm a fan of right there and so um if this helps if if in terms of we're not necessarily adding a break but what we're going to do is make sure you don't ever have touchdown timeout kickoff timeout well this is this is good for that 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 indeed will help that we should not be having what kind of sense does it make to have something that stops twice for a total of six or seven minutes for one for one bit of action for one for one meaningless for most time kickoffs are almost meaningless most of the time now for one touchback and then a timeout that that does not happen a lot anymore but it should never happen ever that's that's not any sort that that's called halftime almost you're ha- if you was pros seven minutes is half of a halftime. At that point, so uh, I don't want to see the back-to-backs. If they say it's going to get out, then this is a part of getting it out. Good. As far as the timing rule itself, I like it because if you're talking about the actual gameplay, this is an extra timeout for teams. We have talked about how quick it feels that that clock is tick, 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 tick. Well, now we've gotten an extra timeout. If you are a team that's needing a comeback or needing to maintain the, the chance of getting a defensive stop or whatever, um, so I think that that's a good thing, and that could be utilized in strategy. We see it all the time in the NFL. Can you fit one more play in there? Oh, oh you get the ball back after a punt at two oh four. Well, you can run it right here because it's an automatic timeout anyway. You know, you get back into those strategy concepts. So I, I like that part of it. So I hope that it is not, as Brent said, it's not just, hey, here's three more minutes of commercials. Rather, okay, we're going to get rid of the back-to-back commercial breaks. So there's no new ones, just we're, we're no more back-to-backs. And then from a game planning, game style element, I like the extra the extra timeout teams can have. Um, tablet and, and um, uh, tablet and communication-wise, you know, this is just you have the technology. It, it betters the experience. Go for it. I, I still think that crowds will be incredibly impactful. I don't think people should have to worry about that. You still have to get calls to other players. That was discussed at our table earlier today. And I think that ultimately um, being able to uh, streamline that, some will say uh, that it would – uh, maybe affect the pace of a of an offense, but you still got to communicate it to everybody. So I don't think that it will greatly change how quickly or slow teams can go or can't go uh, when it comes to, to huddles and, and no huddles and that sort of thing. So I don't think that will uh, make too much of a change there. Um, and then, again, the tablet stuff, my only thing is, maybe the worry of me is you've just got to police it a little bit and you can't let – uh, certain things go on in terms of allowing them to see um, certain things that would not be permissible. Uh, but I mean, if you're watching the bro- if you're able to watch the broadcast view and stuff after the fact, then a lot of that's fair game. So uh, you're just trying to make sure there's not a, ne- a different way of cheating when you implement 
this kind of stuff. And uh, but but otherwise, you know, it's just reasonable technological advances. The next reasonable technological advance I'd like to see is put a chip in the ball. <laughs> the chip could be yeah. in the ball. <laughs> there there are chips in some balls. They just aren't using them. It's 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 bizarre. Like it. The NFL, I think, for one of the playoff games, they were talking about how, like, yeah, the chip in the ball said that the 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 referee didn't spot this ball in the right place. And went the the what and the what, right? <laughs> it's, it, yeah, That'll make make it a thing. We have the technology. Do it. Take. I understand that Take in a lot of sports, error yeah, hum, of human error is just a part of the game. But we should remove as much of that as possible and make it about the players on the field. That will do it for our second hour of the program today. On the other side, still got to get to player of the week. We're not able to get to that in the 4 o'clock hour, so we'll do that in the 5 o'clock hour. More breakdown of Auburn and Mississippi State and a look around the SEC basketball with the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Lane Group. All that's coming up at hour number 3. Stay tuned. Sports Call returning after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Dauntry, Cam Berry with you here on this Friday. TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls. been a very rainy Friday. Ken, go ahead and confirm. We talked a little bit earlier. Mentioned Auburn Softball to cancel their game today. UConn did have to – or, excuse me, Auburn did have to – also canceled their game with UConn. Uh, Saturday doubleheader for that one. Uh, yeah, Saturday doubleheader and then uh, one game on Sunday. Weather looking better this weekend. Still not necessarily free from any rain, but should not be washed out. Should be able to play some baseball and softball over the weekend. So uh, feeling a little bit better about the weather situation uh, this weekend. It's time for the Sports Call 5 at 5, which, as always, is presented by Southeastern Land Group. 
John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. As we do a lot for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we use that opportunity to take a look around SEC basketball. We'll look at the top five matchups coming up this weekend. Let's start it off with... Uh, uh, number one is going to be, of course, the Auburn-Mississippi State game. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a little bit uh, as the Tigers take on the Bulldogs. Uh, Auburn, again, uh, favored uh, about nine, nine and a half points uh, against Mississippi State. We'll be taking a little bit more of a deep dive on that in just a little bit. Next up. Number two. Got number 24, Florida. They're taking on number 18, South Carolina. That's an intriguing one in Columbia to start your day on 11 a.m. Uh, Florida has been uh, a pretty impressive team. They're maybe still a little bit under the radar. They can really score it. Todd Golden has gotten them going here and early in his tenure. Uh, and Florida is going to be a very interesting team come March because the way they score South Carolina. Uh, maybe got a little too highly ranked, got up to 11, and – had two thump or got thumped by Auburn, lost at home LSU, and then people fell off a cliff with them. Well, they're still 23 and 5, and they are number 18 ranked right now. So uh, that's a big one in the SEC. We'll talk about the standings implications in just a little bit. Next up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, number three Arkansas traveling to Kentucky. This is usually a bookmark game in the SEC, and Arkansas's played a little bit better as a late, but they're not headed to any sort of NCAA tournament this year. They're just 14-4 in the season. Kentucky is still ranked 16th, still with an offense that can wow you, still with the talent. They survived a tough one at Mississippi State this weekend. Maybe they're turning a corner, maybe they're not, uh, but certainly winning at State and thumping Alabama uh, and then the week before that beating Auburn, I mean, that's a pretty good run of play for the Wild. Cats, so they're at home looking to not have a letdown against Arkansas. Next up on the 5 at 5, number 4. This one is officially an elimination game. Not that either of these teams has a really good shot in the NCAA tournament, but 15 and 13 A&M going to 15 and 13 Georgia. If you win your final three and you do a little this or that in the SEC tournament, you might still be able to make a case for it, uh, but at 15 and 13, you're starting to flirt heavily with the NIT and Again, A&M has, I believe, lost five in a row now. Georgia uh, has not been the same team for the first couple weeks of conference play, so really I don't think either team's headed uh, headed to March. But, uh, alas, the winner of this could at least try one last gasp effort. And this uh, last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. Uh, the game of the day in the SEC. It is going to be college game day in Tuscaloosa, number 14, Alabama, hosting number four, Tennessee. Uh, the winner of this one, I'm going to tell you, is going to end up with at least a share of the SEC title, if not the whole shebang. Both teams, again, 12-3 and three in conference play. Uh, Tennessee does have a, a tough two after this. They do go to South Carolina. They host Kentucky. So, I mean, that's two ranked games to finish. So, can't promise you they win out. Uh, for Alabama after this, they go to Florida. That'll be a tough one, given how Florida played them in Tuscaloosa. But then they host Arkansas, a game they should win. So, can't imagine Alabama losing more than one one more if they if they win this one. And with Tennessee, I'll still give them the benefit of the doubt against two tough opponents to at least split those two opponents. So, again, I, the, a huge one in the SEC. If Auburn had won 
uh, this game uh, against Tennessee on Wednesday, then they would be I mean, obviously still rooting for Tennessee, but they would be all in on it because it'd be a Bama loss away from uh, feeling great about getting a share of the SEC title themselves, but alas, not at this moment. So that Tennessee-Alabama game will be a huge one. Again, that's the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group, uh, the top five matchups in the conference this week. I will go ahead and tell you to all due respect to LSU at Vanderbilt and to Ole Miss at Missouri, LSU, eh, Vandy. Uh, Going to have to maybe move on from Jerry Stackhouse, we'll see. And then uh, Ole Miss is a fraud. Uh, they have not beaten anyone of consequence. And Missouri has still not won a conference game. And at this point, might as well don't win a conference game. Let's just go ahead and have the <laughs> honor of going 0-18. Uh, all right, so of these other games, we'll, again, shelve Auburn, Mississippi State for the end there and give final thoughts. You got two ranked games, Florida, South Carolina, Bama, Tennessee, A&M, Georgia, battle of the last gas bubble. And then Kentucky just making sure they don't have any sort of hiccup against the Arkansas team. That's at least started to win a couple games. They could have they could have been down around the 10-11 win mark right now, been 11-17, and 17, been just ugly, ugly. They've at least gotten a little better the last couple weeks. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, mainly with these ranked games, though. Uh, Florida, South Carolina, and Alabama, Tennessee – Pretty big weekend in the SEC. Absolutely. Like you said, pretty much the de facto SEC championship being played in Tuscaloosa uh, tomorrow. So uh, obviously we're all rooting for the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, but uh, that one's going to go a long way in deciding it. Um, I, I think that's de- probably – I mean, there's a reason that game day is going. That's the game of the weekend for me. Yeah, uh, same here. Definitely the game of the weekend. But, uh, I mean, that uh, the, the Florida-South Carolina game will also be interesting, I think. Uh, where, where is that? You, it is I'm in sorry. Columbia. It's, Clash it's of Columbia. Styles there. So that'll be certainly interesting. Yeah, I mean, certainly Clash of Styles, right? Florida being a run-and-gun team. Um, not fantastic defensively, relatively sound. But South Carolina, much more sound of a defensive team and, uh, and a slow pace type of team. Uh, so certainly will be interesting, I, I think, for that game. Have they played each other already? Do you know? I, I don't think that they have. I will have to find that out for you. I, I don't think that they have, honestly, just off the top of my head. I, I'm probably wrong, but um, I, I wouldn't think that I don't. You are correct. They, they, what if I said you are correct, you're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have not played. They have the not played. Matchup. Okay, okay. So so they've not played each other yet. So that'll be interesting because, again, feeling, feeling themselves out or feeling each other out for the first time this season. Um, and, and it's you know getting to be the, towards the end of the season, so I, I do find that uh, very very much of an interesting game. Um, I mean, South Carolina being the higher higher ranked team, but I think Florida might be the better team is in, is interesting um, as long as they can keep their guards in are out of foul trouble. If you're Florida, because you know they had a they had their one of their better players, Clayton Junior. I think foul out like early in the second half of uh, uh, this last game that they played. It was very interesting. He got into foul trouble and fouled out extremely quickly. Uh, so you, you want to avoid that. I, I'm sure uh, Todd Golden has has very much uh, yeah, Clayton only played. That. Clayton Pauling played 22 minutes. Everyone else in the starting lineup played at least 27. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, and I think he did. Yeah, so fouled out pretty quickly. So that that one's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I mean, this 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 Alabama and Tennessee game is going to be absolutely electric. Coleman Coliseum is going to be 
just absolutely rocking. I, I hope, right? Because, I mean, this is a huge environment. I would hope that Alabama fans want to show up. I know they've had issues that, yeah. kind of with their attendance and things like that in terms of basketball. Um, hopefully that with College Game Day and ESPN showing up here, they'll be able to uh, bring a absolutely full and sold-out crowd on a Saturday night. I don't see why they wouldn't uh, against a top five SEC opponent. And, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a great game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see this matchup. I really am. A, a second time around, right? Because, yes, Tennessee did blow out uh, um, Alabama in, in Thompson Bowling Arena, but I, I think that this is going to be a much closer game. Alabama's going to put up a much bigger fight. Uh, they'll be able to definitely shoot a lot better, in my opinion. Just in Coleman Coliseum, they they just tend to make uh, many more threes. I think they average like 16 threes a game in, in Coleman Coliseum. So they're just, just shoot the lights out in, in at home, as most teams tend to do. Not lights out, but tend to shoot better at home. But Alabama, it is significantly better at home. So, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, going to be very, very exciting. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be hopefully an insane environment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that is definitely going to be the game of the weekend for me. Um, unfortunately, I won't be able to watch it because I'll be preoccupied with some family things, but I'll be keeping up with it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a huge one uh, for sure in the league. Obviously, Tennessee uh, being fourth ranked still has some aspirations to end up being a number one overall seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, again, this we talk, told you about the um, expectations or the um, – Again, everything that's on the line for uh, the SEC, the implications for it. Uh, I think it'll be incredibly high scoring. Uh, I know Tennessee, we spent a lot of time previewing them, obviously, this week. Uh, Typically, they have a little bit more of a defense to them. Obviously, Auburn found a way to uh, break through it and be in the uh, 40 to 45 point range in both halves. Auburn shot very well against Tennessee. The one thing Tennessee did do was turn Auburn over a lot. I think it was 16 or 17 turnovers, which is uncharacteristic for Auburn. So Tennessee did help accomplish that. They really took advantage of times when Auburn's point guards did not have the ball, and they really made them sweat it. So I think that's something that they're going to do against Alabama. They're going to understand Mark Sears is going to score, and they're going to understand that they're probably not going to rattle him. But what Tennessee's probably going to do is say, we can't let Ryland Griffin hit five threes. We can't let Grant Nelson have 18 or 20 points. We can't let Aaron Estrada have a double-double or something like that. He had a double-double against the Ole Miss. He had a triple-double. Triple-double, yeah, actually. They gave yes, him a triple-double. I was about to say that, yeah, they, that was, they gave it to him. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. Ole Miss statisticians okay. gave it to him at the end of the game. I think it was like one last assist or something gotcha. like that. Crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to look for ways to impact those other guys. I'm not sure – uh, about Reitzel's status, I know he's been out for a couple weeks for Alabama. Their sixth man, yeah. uh, so I don't know about him, but yeah, he's big time. He's a he's a positive scorer off the bench 40% too. Three point shooter man. <clears throat> but I think that uh, I think this will be a close game. I do give a small edge to Alabama at home. I think Tennessee is the slightly better team, but again, when you're playing on the road, uh, it, it's hard, and you have to play your A game. And I thought Tennessee. Uh, in a lot of ways, just play their A game against Auburn, and it can be hard to do that twice, and it's going to be hard for Dalton Connect to be that great again. I'm sure he will score 
uh, something in the 20-25 point range, as I yeah, said earlier. Right. And but, if he gets to 30, that'll be his fifth 30-point game of yeah. the season, which is insane for a college basketball player. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, even if he drops 30, say, and so this is just going back to the conversation where I had said about the SEC Player of the Year, yeah. just depending on who wins. Even if Alabama, if Alabama were to win, but Dalton Connect drops 30, then he's SEC Player of the Year. I, I'm not, I'm not going to debate that any way, shape, or form. But if he has like a 22-point game, something like that, and, and Mark Sears has like a 22, 25-point game, something along the lines of that, and Alabama wins – I think that it's going to push for more of debate and it might end up leaning more towards Sears just because Alabama then won the SEC title, uh, regular season title. Uh, they have the, the better record, things like that. And, and I think it'll lean more towards towards uh, Sears in lieu of Dalton Connect. I think Dalton Connect is the SEC player of the year. I, I mean, the dude is a bucket. He's insane and, and he's active on defense as well. So. I think that plays a, a little bit of a credit as well to to how great of a player he has become just throughout this season. Uh, I mean, just absolutely exploded onto the scene. But, you know, the voters and when they see things, well, they'll say uh, the record. And, and even though they were 1-1 one and one and how that plays out, I think this final game, since they are tied, will be the decider in which player gets SEC Player of the Year. You know, you know I think that uh, we do this a lot with awards and we try to determine – how much of its value, how much of its most outstanding and just purely best and that sort of thing. I think when you call it just an SEC player of the year, just a right. conference player of the year, I think it does mean the champion or being the best player on a good team is a little less important. I think it leaves it up for more interpretation of just the most outstanding player type of thing rather than the most valuable. Um, you know, Sears has been awesome for sure. Uh, but the way that you see Dalton connect for Tennessee, here's what I would tell you, is that, look, Sears is leading a really good Alabama team that if they win, like you said, yeah, they're, they're going to at least split the title, if not win the title outright, if they can go to Florida and win. But for me, if Dalton connect scores 17, 18, 19 points and Mark, Ske- uh, Mark Sears scores 17, 18, 19 points, I'm way more worried about Tennessee this year than I I am about Alabama because of how many points that Bama is scoring this year and how they have four or five dudes that can hit four or five threes at any time. And Tennessee, well, what's been interesting about them is that they have all the guys that led them in scoring last year, and they just kind of accepted smaller roles this year. Nevertheless, I feel like – when Connect has had a, a little bit of a lesser impact, they have taken that significant drop. To go to this team with a lot of the same top players and your team is averaging 11 or 12 more points a game this year, that's because of him. You know, and the, Again, the rest of this team, you got Josiah Jordan-James and you got Adu. I know Adu's better than he was last year, but he was on the team last year. Vescovy, Zakai Ziegler. This is pretty much the same Tennessee team from last year, but just with Dalton Connect and not with Julian Phillips right. and like one other dude. And they plugged in a Plavisic, points per game. Yeah. You know, no Plavisic. No, no I'm going to get a technical good dude. <laughs> I can't um, stand that and, and so my thought is, is I know you usually don't compare year to year, but I see – how much it's meant to Tennessee to have him this year and how stylistically this season they are far different with the same coach and same players than they have been in any other time with Rick Barnes at Tennessee. So I think whether that's the right way of looking at it or not, 
we're looking at them compared to the other versions of Rick Barnes in Tennessee and even the other versions of these players, and we're seeing how much he has enhanced the dynamic of Tennessee basketball this year. Whereas Sears has been great, um, for sure, and this team was not supposed to be nearly as good as the Miller team last year from last year. However, if Mark Sears has an okay game, we're not necessarily talking about that being the reason Alabama lost or didn't play as well. We're talking about did Alabama shoot from three well, Let's just as a collective unit. Did they do this well? Did they defend worth trash or not? You know, We're talking about a more collective thing with Alabama's success or failure this year than we are with Tennessee and just kind of an awe of Dalton Connect. So that's why it's still Connect for me no matter what happens on Saturday. But, again, that's one man's opinion, and I don't know if they'll – you know, if Sears has 33 and Connect has 14 and a clunker, I mean, I'm, people will talk. I mean, you, you can imagine why at that point. So it's going to be a big one in Coleman on Saturday. That's why game day's there, and it's a big one for the SEC. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week, give some final thoughts on Auburn and Mississippi State, and have our bet or have our what to watch for over the weekend. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brent Dontry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Coming up in just a few minutes, we will get to our What to Watch for over the weekend. Also, final preview, final thoughts on Auburn and Mississippi State. But before we do any of that, as we do each and every week, it is time to reveal Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn Ford Chad Baker Mazzara is Sports Call's Player of the Week. The usual sixth man for the Tigers made his first start against Georgia on Saturday in the Tigers' only game of the week and didn't disappoint. Baker Mazzara went 8 of 12 from the floor, including 2 of 3 from long range to lead the Tigers with 25 points, adding 5 rebounds and 5 assists to culminate in a 97-76 road win. Chad Baker Mazzara is Sports Call's Player of the Week. So Chad Baker Mazzara is Sports Call's Player of the Week, again, mainly for the game last Saturday in Athens. As uh, he had a big performance, obviously we've had the Tennessee game since then, not uh, a huge game from him there. He was fine, but obviously a a loss for Auburn. But 
in the Georgia game, he was doing anything and everything, and he really took it on himself to be, as a fellow lefty, replace the void that Jalen Williams had Lefty left. gang, loved it, <laughs> loved it. He he absolutely killed it in the game against Georgia, man. He uh, I know he was playing with a bit of a heavy heart, and and I and I I bet that played in the factor of as to how he was playing. But um, he uh, he absolutely lit it up and and was everything that Auburn needed for that game and then some, um, and, and was an absolute X factor. So yeah, he he deserved it. Um, and again, Brant, we appreciate you doing this each and every week for us as Player of the Week. And you sound so good, Brant. Uh, hey, thanks, man. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the filters that you can put on it uh, in audition. But yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, uh, Chad Becker Mazzara, ab- absolutely fantastic in that Georgia game. My parents actually were in attendance, and um, the the way that Auburn kind of took over that arena was really fun I to could watch. Hear and, it on the TV. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and. and Chad Baker Mazzara was a big part of that. I mean, it's career high for him, or at least in an Auburn uniform, twenty five points and just a and like like Cam said, playing for a reason. One of his old high school coaches had just passed away, uh, and just a an excellent game from him, and like efficient too. Like he scored what twenty five points on about twelve shots, yep. I think it was. Like so a very very good day for him all around. Yeah, again that Georgia game too. Um, I, I know that Auburn really wanted the Tennessee game, but the Georgia game to me was important just from the standpoint of making sure you don't have a serious sinking ship kind of problem mm-hmm. because uh, that was coming off the midweek bye, so therefore the last game you'd played was the Kentucky game at home. If you had lost Georgia and lost Tennessee, then you're looking at a three-game losing streak. That's when you're starting to look like you could drop a seed line or two and, and certainly would have been tough for them with an extra conference loss now to get into the double buy category, which is something I wanted to bring up as we talk, uh, give some more thoughts on Auburn, Mississippi State, and the SEC this week. Again, we told you about the top of the stands with Bama and Tennessee at three losses. Uh, South Carolina is at 11-4. and four. Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn are at 10-5. and five. So that's six teams within two games of each other. Uh, there is Mississippi State down at eight and seven. I suppose if they did upset Auburn, then they're kind of kind of start to try to be the connector of the of the top and the bottom. But assuming Auburn can win there, what they need uh, is a little help. Honestly, I think they'll get the help, but they lost to Florida in the only matchup. They lost to Kentucky in the only matchup. They lose those tiebreakers. They are sixth right now. Um, South Carolina is a team with one loss above them. If they could tie up South Carolina, Auburn would get that tiebreaker. So what you're hoping for is uh, just one one loss from any of those three teams. Because, again, I do think Auburn will win out. I think they'll finish 13-5. And so you're focused on those three teams, and you got to pass two of them to get to your magic number. Now, we talked about Florida and South Carolina. That's a big one. So someone's got to lose that. So that's going to help Auburn. That The loser of that game will help Auburn. No matter what, right? Uh, Florida also hosts Alabama, but ideally Auburn's going to hope Florida wins that one. So maybe you want Florida to lose at South Carolina this weekend, because then what you think is, well, South Carolina after Florida, they've got to host Tennessee and go to Mississippi State. Those are both losable, right? You wondered who's better between South Carolina and Mississippi State. Maybe we'll find it out the very end of the season. Um, So that that is a tough road there, Um, and then with Kentucky here at the end we uh we did mention they're playing arkansas this week so uh that should be a win for them and then they down the stretch will get another win against vandy but they have at the end tennessee so Mm. even though it's on their uh it's not on their home court i'm sorry they already they already lost at home to tennessee 
So then they got to go to TBA. So very discernible path for all three of those teams to lose once, maybe even South Carolina twice. So Auburn should still feel – I know they are six, and if you are panicked about it, of being a double-bye, yes, they do need some results, but they've got one guaranteed result because Florida and South Carolina got to play each other. So they just need – one more result. They need the winner of that game to lose it in the in the final week, or they need Kentucky to lose at Tennessee. So, again, their double buy situation is still pretty in good tact, even though they're unfortunately going to lose some of these tiebreakers and head to heads against Florida and against Kentucky. Yeah, so uh, certainly, certainly comfortable and and glad that you kind of, if you're Auburn, have a bit of a easier per se schedule down the stretch, right? You, I mean. Even though Tennessee is the best team in the SEC, right, they've got a gauntlet towards the end, yeah. right? I mean, just every team that they play for the rest of the season is ranked. So they, they are, they, they, I mean, yes, they are the best team, but they are going to have, you know, teams gunned for them. Uh, certainly probably feel for South Carolina as well. You know, they, them having to face, uh, having to face Tennessee again after the way that they beat, you would have only have liked to have seen Tennessee once, even though you went to Tennessee, uh, and you beat them. That's great. And, and that really is what kind of puts you on the ra- radar a little bit. Um, if, if you're South Carolina and then you now have to face them again and, you know, there that that might get a little ugly. I'm not even gonna lie. That game might get a little ugly if if you're South Carolina because Tennessee's probably gonna say, "Well, I remember what you did to us at home. We're gonna do the same thing to you at your at your place." So, uh, and I do think that Tennessee is is hands down the better team. I just think they got. I think South Carolina kind of surprised them and, and got the best of them. Tennessee didn't have a fantastic game as well, but I think they're kind of settled into you know their style of basketball, their P's and Q's, and and knowing that Dalton Connect kind of needs to be you know on his best game to really uh, for them to really have a, a full scoring onslaught. So that'll be interesting. Kentucky as well uh, having to having to, having a tough stretch towards the end also. So it, I mean, if you're Auburn, you're you're happy with the position. You're not happy with the position that you're in because you're not winning the SEC uh, share in the SEC title. But you still have a solid, a pretty solid chance uh, to maybe get even up to like a three seed and 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 potentially put yourself in a good position to, you know, uh, uh, you know, get into the get into a good position in the SEC tournament and then go from there and and, and have a favorable matchup and you know like who you see going game to game. Uh, try not to look ahead, obviously, but also you know like where you're at and like where you're sitting. Uh, as you finish uh, the regular season. Yeah, definitely of all the teams vying for one of those top four spots, um, Auburn has by far the easiest schedule. Easiest. Uh, they, they absolutely need to win out. And uh, uh, like everyone said, the, the toughest matchup is this Mississippi State matchup. It is back at home. Auburn is playing better, uh, I feel like, both offensively and defensively. But it's still going to be tough. It, winning games is not easy, right? Um but definitely, I expect Auburn to win out here. Uh, and if they do, they, then they should have put themselves in pretty good position. Like, oh, what would that be? A twenty-four and eight, I think, that would make it their final record. That's a heck of a season, um, and it puts them in really good position uh, to finish in the top four in the SEC. So, uh, like, like, the, like you guys have have outlined right here, you're you're going to need a little bit of help to get one of those top four spots, even if you do win out. But all of these teams that are playing each other, these are the juggernauts. Auburn has already played through the juggernaut part of its schedule, and right now it's going up against kind of the bottom feeders. Uh, Not that Mississippi State's a bottom feeder. They're a pretty good team, but 
you know, the, you're you are out of the worst of it. You've got to step up and you've got to maintain your perfect record uh, outside of quad one games. And if Auburn can do that, then they're going to be in pretty good shape. And again, we did talk about the slight conundrum for uh, Auburn as this is not a quad one game because Mississippi State is one spot too high. They're 31st. Again, at home, it's top 30. Uh, neutral, it's top uh, 50, I believe. And, and road, it's top 75. And with with them being 31, if Mississippi State wins, they'll probably jump in the top 30 and it will become a quad one game, but it'll be a loss. And if Auburn wins, they'll probably shove Mississippi State back another spot or two, guaranteeing it won't become quad one. Auburn's quad one is one and seven. And I did look at this a little bit earlier for reference to see, well, how bad is one and seven compared to its cohorts in the top 20 in the net ranking. Auburn has the fewest net victories uh, of anyone in the top 25, actually, uh, of the net rankings. So there's one team that has two in the top 20, uh, and that's Gonzaga, who, of course, plays in a smaller conference. And then you got to go all the way down to 27 and 28, Wake Forest and Indiana State to find the next team, which is one. Uh, again, Gonzaga had two. So Auburn is in rare air for someone that only has one quad one win. And um, – you know that is something that, to be honest with you, I hope it doesn't, but will probably influence the bracketology at the end of the day. Again, the human polls think Auburn's eleven coming this week. Well, that's a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Yet everyone has said four, maybe closer to a five than a three, and so that's because of the quad one record. So it is a little regrettable that Mississippi State is not going to find a way in this, this top thirty in all likelihood and. Uh, Auburn's resume here is what it is. It's good that App State became quad one and that that's not a quad two. Also, Auburn's perfect outside of quad one. It, basically, if you just read the black and white of the quad uh, net ranking system, Auburn beats all the teams that they are better than and that they should beat, and they have struggled mightily in these 50-50 games or against teams that are ranked very highly. That's what the bare-bones – assessment of a team that's one and seven in quad one and oh and oh or or undefeated and everything outside of quad one uh because you've got teams obviously i don't want to use maybe houston purdue arizona you know they're all three lost teams they're eight and nine wins in the quad one but i mean even teams down uh below them like you know north carolina seven and four uh duke is six and three in quad one opportunities you have a five over 500 team for clemson who's five and four a bunch of 500 type teams like a Kentucky's five and five. Okay, you know that's 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 fair. That's fine. Um, so I I do hate that Auburn's kind of out of these quad one opportunities unless something crops up in the SEC tournament. But um, again, something to be said for taking care of the games that you should. But alas, Auburn has not truly, according to this net ranking system, been able to get the big one yet. They're number seven in net rankings. That would tell you they're a two seed. So who really knows how you do the formulas and all that and what's the most important thing at the end of the day. We're going to take one final timeout of this Friday edition of Sports Call. When we come back, we will have the what to watch for of the weekend and our final pick for Auburn, Mississippi State, and the nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, Canberry Stretching, and T.P. Hammock taking your phone calls and running the board on the orthopedic so clinic bad. phone line. <laughs> I, uh, you're almost there, friend. One more segment. One more segment of Auburn's first See, the thing, the thing that Cam said is hurting him is a thing that I do is like warm-ups. It's like to stretch out the thing that he's trying to stretch right now. But he says it's the thing that's causing him pain. RDLs. Don't do the things that cause you pain. Life lessons. No, no, no. Do do them, but do them smartly. I'm trying to get swole. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, final segment of the show today for uh, the show for the day and for the week. Again, we did mention a couple different times. Let's go ahead and actually, uh, since this is the last segment of the show, let's go ahead and play our best and worst. Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. I do that every single time, guys. Every single time I say best and worst of the weekend, even though the weekend's not happening yet. It's always a Monday thing. Thank you, TP, for understanding what I meant. I appreciate you. Anyway, it's a what to watch for over the weekend so that we can have a best and worst of the weekend on Monday's show. Uh, So for the what to watch for over the weekend, uh, again, Auburn baseball and softball back in action. However, uh, you've seen outside, if you've stepped outside today, and uh, they're not doing anything of the sort uh, <laughs> this afternoon or this evening. And so Auburn softball canceled. that. Uh, so we've got Northwestern and some other teams this weekend. Brand, I know you'll get to call some of those. Did they are, You'll have to inform me of this. Did they just do away with this Northwestern game that's supposed to happen tonight, or are they going to find a way to fit that in this weekend? I'm really not sure. I know that they were scheduled to play uh, Northwestern tomorrow along with one of the other teams in there. I'll actually be on that call with uh, J.J. Jackson, former host of this show. Uh, He's from Asheville. He is. Asheville, North Carolina. Um, But uh, I I know that that was the schedule, but that was – I think two days ago, I think before they canceled this game, I think they were trying to push this game back uh, and move some other stuff around. So I don't know what this this new development's going to do to the schedule. It's brutal, and that's what happens during the beginning of football or about, uh, baseball and softball season. I don't expect that they will probably make that up because I think they did have double header scheduled for tomorrow and yes, Sunday. So, yes. and I've not really heard of three games in one day. Although I'm sure that's a fantasy that the folks in Hoover and the SEC baseball <laughs> side of things would love to have and make someone do that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I would imagine they probably have lost that game. So that game was canceled for tonight. Uh, and then for Auburn baseball, again, uh, they uh, did have to uh, postpone their UConn game tonight. They will get to play a doubleheader tomorrow. That's going to start at 1 p.m. And then they'll have the third and final game Sunday. UConn has been – a tournament team multiple times here in the last few years. Coach Butch Thompson was talking a little bit about that in his presser yesterday. Uh, so nice opportunity for Auburn baseball. Obviously, they don't line up a bunch of ranked teams in the non-con. They're all lined up in SEC play for about 
nine or ten straight weeks. Uh, but uh, you do have a couple ranked teams. Auburn's already played in Iowa and Virginia. Uh, and then UConn is, again, usually a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament, usually a tournament team. So you're getting another quality opponent this weekend. So that will be good for the Tigers to see how they respond with Coach Butch Thompson's team. They did have a midweek victory this week against Sanford. Next up on What to Watch for over the weekend – Sports calls, what to watch for over the weekend. I got it right that time. Uh, I get a cookie. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we do have some more NASCAR in action this weekend. They go to Las Vegas. Uh, We were done with the drafting tracks for a little while. Uh, Fun one in Atlanta last week. I hope someone out there saw uh, the finish of it. We mentioned it on Monday's show in Best and Worst, the three-wide finish. Uh, NASCAR is way more competitive in its finishes than IndyCar or uh, especially Formula One, there's far more passing, far more more of a, uh, a question of who's going to win uh, every, each and every race. However, I can still count on one hand how many times they came to the start-finish line, and I did not know who won for sure, uh, and that was one of the times. So it was a, be- a beautiful race in Atlanta last weekend, uh, won by Daniel Suarez. They go to Las Vegas, first non-drafting track of the season, uh, it is a playoff track that's usually pretty deep into the playoffs, so uh, teams really want to run well out in Las Vegas because that's one of the important tracks come playoff time. So Las Vegas will be on the docket for the NASCAR Cup Series, including the Truck Series race, I believe is tonight. Again, our friend Brett Holmes, friend of the program, uh, went to school at Auburn, Truck Series driver, owns his own team, which is very impressive. Uh, he's running well. He's in the top ten in points so far in the Truck Series in the first two races, so we wish him well tonight. Uh, so that's a look at NASCAR the weekend. And one more. Uh, one more. I almost did it again. One more what to watch for the weekend. Sports calls. What to watch for over the weekend. Oh, maybe we'll just have to get someone else to do this segment because I, I am incapable of it. Auburn, Mississippi State. <laughs> Auburn, Mississippi State this Saturday. Guys, final predictions for what happens in Neville Arena tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I think Auburn in as tight as a 10-point win can feel. I feel like it'll be a close game throughout. I think Auburn will pull away at the end. Um, I think the predicted score is something like, based on Vegas lines, is like 77 to 87. That feels about right to me. Maybe 67, 77, something around that. Oh, this will be an interesting one. I think Mississippi State is going to still continue to try and come out with something to prove, something to really, you know, really push. Um, I, I think that. I can agree with Brett. I think I'm going to stretch it to a 15-point win um, just because they are at home and because of what happened in the Kentucky game. I think Auburn's going to really try and get the crowd really back into it, uh, you know, continue to score. As, I mean, they scored very well in, in, the, in Tennessee, uh, so I think they're going to try and continue uh, with that and, and as well as they did at Georgia. So I think they're just going to try and come back home and continue the same as what they've done. Uh, play a little bit better on ball defense. See if see how Jalen's moving. 20, 21 minutes for him at, at Tennessee. So it kind of seems like he's really going to be back into the fold and more permanently. Which I was surprised, honestly, with the twenty one minutes. I thought we were going to go closer to like twelve. And I think Bruce just kind of felt like he was ready. So he seemed like he was fine and able to really get some good run in. So we'll see more Jalen Williams. Um, uh, maybe we'll see that we don't have to rely on him as much, so the ball will be spread up, spread a little bit more. We'll see how that plays out. Janai continue to play the style of game that he's going to play uh, and and play and, and produce well. Uh, so I I think the score I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give Auburn ninety. I think it'll be like a ninety seventy five type.
type win um, for for Auburn and uh, and uh, they'll continue on and go look to Missouri on Tuesday. All right, Cam and I are going to try to do this thing again where he gets the style of game right and I get the margin right. So okay. <laughs> uh, now his margin is not too different than I'm, but I'm going to go something around 77-66 in favor of Auburn, 77-65. I think that when you look at this game and you look how it was played in Starkville, again, the goal for Mississippi State is to be able to slow this game down. Uh, they want to grind it out. They want to be physical. And I think there will be a, a part of this game where Auburn will struggle with that. I think I can't decide if Auburn's going to come out up 12-2 at the first media timeout and then it's just going to linger for a while. Or if Auburn's going to be stuck in the mud for 20 minutes and then uh, have to go second half and kind of have an explosion. I can't decide which one it will be. Uh, but I do think there will be moments in this game that will cause a little bit of nervousness. And I do think that... Uh, Auburn will have to work for some of their buckets. So I, I would be surprised personally if it is a highly scoring game. Uh, but look, Mississippi State's coming off the heels of one. That that Kentucky game was an incredibly high scoring game, so it can be done. Um, Mississippi State can score a little bit too, obviously. They they had the better version of their offense themselves in that game. Of course, Kentucky's defense usually will get that out of you. But uh, I just think that it will be not as low score as it was in the hump, but I think it'll be problematic to just get out and run at will on Mississippi State. I do think that they have a game plan that they're going to try to duplicate against Auburn since they did win the first time. But I do think on Auburn 7-4, they'll be far more successful and get, uh, again, about an 11- or 12-point win. Final minute or two of the program today and for the week, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. All right, Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Men's College Basketball, Fairfield and Marist, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. I think that's going to be TP's favorite thing on the uh, on the list tonight. Women's College Gymnastics, number 14 Auburn at number 20 Georgia, 6 o'clock on the SEC Network. Again, that's a big one for the Tigers. Top 16 are the ones that go national, Auburn number 14, so... Uh, pretty close there, but right now Auburn would be going to Nationals. Still got the SEC tournament and stuff, uh, SEC tournament meet as well. But number 14, Auburn at number 20, Georgia, 6 o'clock on the SEC network. Also, Women's College Gymnastics, number 7, Michigan versus number 1, Oklahoma, 6.30 on ESPN2. Uh, yes, Oklahoma can do that too. They can play softball and they can do a lot of other things that we're going to see very soon in the SEC. So that's 6.30 on ESPN2. Uh, also, NBA basketball tonight. This is a good one. 6.43 is the tip-off time on ESPN for the Dallas Mavericks and the Boston Celtics. That will be a lot of star power. Luka and Kyrie versus Tatum and Brown. That should be fun. And then one movie pick for you tonight. It's the first Pirates of the Caribbean, 6 o'clock on USA. That is one of my favorite series. I missed Jack Sparrow and Johnny Depp greatly. I think they might remake or do another one. And if it does not have him in it, I'm going to be meeting it with a little bit of tepidness, I will say. Not that it can't be good, but uh, I love that series a lot. And that's the inside baseball of how Ryan thinks about the Pirates of the Caribbean series. And that's going to do it for <laughs> this Friday edition of Sports Call. As all Sports Call should end, a movie opinion uh, at the very end there. Brett Daughtry? The, the best episodes of this show are the ones that go off the rails at least once. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and, you know, maybe we should do that a little bit more often. <laughs> uh, I certainly tried to with not knowing how segments work. But anyway, Brant Daughtry, <laughs> thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great weekend calling some Auburn softball. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. And, Canberry, thank you for being here on this Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. See you next week. You have a great weekend as well, Ryan. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. That will do it for the show today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For TP Hammock, running the board and taking phone calls, and Cam Berry and Brant Dontry. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again on Monday.